the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can join us this morning. You can give us a call at 260-5926. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yeah, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers, and good morning to you, Miss Veda. Good morning. So... Yeah. How's, how's the weather over there at Dan West? <laughs> I don't know about Dan West. I know about my house. You didn't get the smidgen, smidgen not, of rain that we got. Not yet, but I'm still holding no. out with hope, you know? Well, maybe another one will, you know, form and come back and rain some more. But we did have 30%, and I guess that was it. <laughs> I mean, I was laying there in bed, okay, and I heard this noise. Mm. And I'm like, is that thunder? Yes, it can't be, but is it? And then I saw this flash of light come through the window i'm like is that lightning (laughs) (laughs) just maybe this is the day you know no i'm backing out of the driveway not a drop and i'm thinking okay well maybe it's coming Mm -hmm. this way so i'm driving around the interstate i'm looking down to the south you know and all (laughs) the dark clouds and i mean i'm like i've got to have rain and you're not going to get rain so your backyard that you don't oh, it's water, going dormant. just to, it's, yeah. It's going summer dormancy. Everywhere. Dorm, you know, just dormant. I'm even seeing, seeing Mondo grass just kind of start turning brown, little dwarf Mondo grass. You know, that means we're really, really hot and dry. But we say this every summer like it doesn't happen. But this time it seems like <sighs> we're not rain, getting rain as frequently or at all. Yeah, me and, uh, me and Ferg were talking about it, the owner at Dan West, you know, When's the last time it was seriously this dry? I know. And he said, I think back in the 80s, you know, when some of the mm-hmm. trees were dying on the side oh, of the road. that's right. Yeah. Okay, we're talking about back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 40-something years ago. I'm like, what? Wow, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess the 80s is about 40 years ago. Let's <laughs> see if the time flies <laughs> when we're having fun. Yeah. But right. I'm like, I'm, I mean, seriously, I mean, this whole week, you know, really the biggest challenge for customers coming in has been... What what do I do about watering? Yeah. I mean, is, you know, we this is like the third or fourth weekend in a row we've talked about water, mm-hmm. and every sample that comes in, you know, nine out of ten are it's water related. It's either you know staying too wet or too dry. You know, usually it's too dry. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I mean, Veda, there's been sample after sample after sample of burned foliage mm-hmm. coming in and people are like i don't know what to do yeah. you know am i underwatering am i overwatering i mean which and i'm like if you're going to err on the side of one or the other i always say err on the side of underwatering that's true now i'm erring, i'm saying err on the side of overwatering yeah i mean it, it's just almost impossible to keep <laughs> things hydrated right and and if you're having a really easy time getting things hydrated um, you might have really good soil because it can percolate down through the soil and keep the uh, holes, uh, all of that wet and moist longer. But if we're having that hard pan, peat well, uh, moss, non-prepared <laughs> soil, it's just going to run right off. Or if you have, like I told you before, which my big boo-boo was putting soil conditioner down as a mulch. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've heard of people doing it all my life. And, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you know, it's just ground up pine bark. It's just pine bark that's really ground up in fine particles. That's all it is. And I'm thinking, okay, this would be good and soft. It would be easy to spread. You know, all those reasons is the reason I put it down. And then about, I told you about Mm -hmm. three or four months ago, I was reading about it. And it's one of the, absolutely one of the worst (laughs) 
top dressings yeah. you can put on your bed. It's, it's really bizarre because, like you said, it's been done for so long. And, and I know people that have done same. it. Same. And, and they're great gardeners and all. So the thing I'm thinking is they're really not thickly mulching. They're just kind of sparingly. Maybe that would be their mm-hmm. only saving yeah. grace because it, it, it is so... It, it packs and it, it is so it interlocks and it and it forms a umbrella over your bed. I'm telling and you, that's supposed to be the point of that soil conditioner is not to have that happen. No, I mean it's great as a soil mm-hmm. amendment to work into your soil. I'm telling you, it, it, it helps separate our clay mm-hmm. soil. We sell you know tons of it for that reason. But I just went out on a limb and thinking, okay, well I'll just put this in my top dressing. And I can sit there and water this bed. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, these beds, if you will. And I can go back and get my hand and kind of pull back on that, in the bed, on that uh, soil conditioner. And I'm telling you, Veda, an inch down, it is bone dry. It's almost powdery. It's so yeah. dry. Yeah. So I told you, I've got to get a blower, a rake, or both, and get all that stuff out of there and come back and put some, you know, some bigger pieces of mulch. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my bed that has some, you know, some oxygen in there where water can pass through it and get down to my soil. I mean, that's the big thing. It is. Well, I was reading, it's funny you brought up soil, and yeah, I saw that spider. there's a spider on my mic. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I'm watching him go round and round. Okay, look, you're all good there. Just don't <laughs> go in my mouth. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I don't know. He's gone now. So um, the, the mulch it i can't even, i was trying to find out how to pronounce it it's like r a m i l it looks like kind of ramel is the yeah. word but the thing about it is instead of the uh them put using the mulch from the big trees like mm-hmm. they cut down and the just mulching all the big stuff that they're going for the tender growth on the end or the um, you know the more the smaller limbs, and so they're still grinding those. But the point of that is with the smaller limbs that they have more nutrients huh. than the rest of the tree, and also it's going to break down quicker and it doesn't mat as much. So of course, I, I mean I don't know where you buy it like that, and maybe it's just a thing that you do if you have your own wood chipper. Yeah, but I saw that I think this idea had started. <laughs> Speaking of the 80s, and I guess it's just now coming back or people are, are understanding it more because this was a recent well, article. And this is, you know, this is definitely one of those years that Veda, we need mulch in our beds. I mean, we, I, I mean, even things that don't like mulch, uh, boxwoods, you know, you don't want a heavy layer of mulch uh, over their shallow root system, Japanese maples, mm-hmm. for example. But, but I, I, I mean, I think everyone needs a light layer of mulch in their beds because when you do water, and we are, we're having to water so much because there's been no rain, you know, for six or seven weeks in some places, that at least that mulch is going to hold in some of that moisture. But like I was telling you a while ago, I mean, use just a regular mulch, whether it's a shredded hardwood or a pine, cedar, cypress, any of those, those do have the bigger pieces. Just stay away from the soil conditioner. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I did, and is you know, and, and for like example, you didn't stay away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know, and go out there, make your rounds, and look at the hydrangeas. The, I'm talking about the big leaf hydrangeas. They are suffering like they've never suffered before. I mean, you know, you've got these hydrangeas that really like a cooler climate anyway, uh, yeah. and you know, and they lose so much moisture through those big leaves every day that you've really got to keep the water pumped to them. 
Uh, and of course, you know, you definitely want mulch, a light layer of mulch up under these hydrangeas. Yeah, we kind of, we call that the uh, hydrangea, <clears throat> like the canary <clears throat> of watering. Yeah. When you see something, okay, this spider's got to move. Yeah, he's, he's still running around. But it's it's one of those things where, you know, I, you know, I, I've never really invested in soaker hoses before. Uh, this might be the summer that I do it, and I'll talk mm-hmm. about soakers later on. But also, they do, there is this product called Wilt Stop. You know, you can buy it in a bottle. It's just a ready-to-use product. And I think if anything in this world that I might use it on would be something like a hydrangea. Uh, but if you ever used Wilt Stop, and you can buy it in just a little ready-to-use container, is make sure that you hydrate the plant that you're going to spray this on first, okay? For example, like this hydrangea, give it a good soaking uh, you know, let's say one afternoon, and then the next day go out there and spray uh, this wilt proof on it. And what it does, it, it forms just kind of a, a waxy uh, covering mm-hmm. on the leaf, and it holds that moisture in is what it does. So plants that are so sensitive to this really hot, hot, dry, arid weather we've been having, I might invest in some of this wilt stop and use it. I've never used it before. I, I've sold summer, it forever. Yeah. I've never used it in the summer. I've used it on Christmas trees and all that to, uh, to have the longevity or the reach. Well, it holds you the know, moisture in. <clears throat> yeah, but I wonder if it's so hot it'll just melt. Well, I mean, it's for <laughs> summer protection also. You know, yeah, it's for, so for winter it. burn and for summer protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I'm not spraying, of course, everything in my landscape. I mean, I'm just making sure or trying my best to keep everything water. But I think on these... These sensitive plants, like these big leaf hydrangeas, I mean, and like I said, I don't care how much you water. I mean, go look at the tops of them. The leaves mm-hmm. are curling up. Uh, you're seeing burned edges around the edge, especially if they're getting a little too much sun. And that's part of my problem, too. Mine gets morning sun, full morning sun, and it usually does absolutely fine mm-hmm. there. But this year... Hmm. Well, you know, we have a limelight, which, of course, loves the sun. Take all the sun you want to give yeah. it. And it's on the west side next to a brick wall. Uh, we planted it last fall, so it's it's got a really good root system going on it. Hmm. And we used the Earth Mix Supernatural um, compost hmm. when we planted, and it's doing beautiful uh, but, you know, in the afternoon, you see it will mm. just a little. <clears throat> and we don't water it a lot. When no, we I see, see I it, have been. Yeah, when we see it wilt, just add a little bit of water. But we're not watering thoroughly enough. I'm just, you know, experimenting with this one. And no. so far, no issues. Well, but it is one of those paniculata right. varieties that can take all the sun you want to give them. And so I noticed on mine, caring, you yeah. know, I've got a couple of them, and they've been out there, this I think their third or fourth year, and they're about, you know, four foot wide and about six foot tall. And they look beautiful from the outside, but you go in there and look on the inside of this thing, mm-hmm. they're dried leaves uh, everywhere. And it's because, I'm, I mean, I'm watering, mm-hmm. but I'm just not watering enough. Yeah, right, enough. Okay, let's go to a break, 260-5926, or you can go to radio.com. We're streaming. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you can join us. 260-5926 mm-hmm. or stream us at radio. No, at kwamradio.com. Yeah, and you can go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and send us a text. I'm trying to bring that up, Miss Veda, as we mm-hmm. speak. All right, sounds good. There's also the Facebook page for the Mid-South Gardening. 
that is Mid-South Gardening. Just yeah. search that. That's what uh, Jim is doing and keeping up with it. And I'm following it and still seeing beautiful pictures of so many different things. And I, I like the questions of really why you know why or trying to identify things i love those too because there's so many pictures of things depending on how they're taken up close or far back that you may not see the whole situation or be able to um name the the tree on the miss south gardening facebook page or the other great thing is since there's people on it from all around the world actually Mm -hmm. um well, mostly in the States, of course, but somebody will post something that's not in our area. And so you're learning about plants in other areas. And of course, it's like you say, if you're in the South, you want lilac. If you're in the North, you want the crepe myrtle. So there's a lot of passing back and forth on, you know, I wish I could have this. I wish I could have that. So it's a really fun, interesting page to look at. Oh, as it's a well. great page. In fact, when I, you know, go to Facebook, I mean, that's typically the first thing that comes mm-hmm. up on my phone. And then going through, looking at all the pictures and, and looking at the questions, of course, and the answers. I mean, it's, it's a great learning tool, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's real. It's it's wonderful. So there's that. You know, we're talking about, you know, the weather, of course, and how the, the drought and Audrey uh, Fielding, she texted and she said, yes, what a drag. It's getting really old. Mm-hmm. And I completely <laughs> agree with her. I mean, it, it, if I would just get a rain, I mean, I'll take a rain every two weeks, you know, at this yeah. point. Uh, and like I said, you know, hearing the uh, the the thunder and seeing the lightning this morning, and driving in and seeing you know dark clouds, I'm thinking you know maybe today's the day. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's just, running from you is which yeah, way. And, it and was I get going. to you know get over here and Veda said no, it's all heading to the south. And mm-hmm. I'm like no, you know it's got to be heading to the northeast to get to my house. You it's know? just there. Well, you know we're we're are talking about watering, and here's a good way to gauge how from spring that would go to hot summer on the watering situation, especially in containers. I mean, in the garden center, we've got one gallon container four inch pots and all but when it was springtime we really didn't water no i mean you were just going out there you know once every two days mm-hmm. and you know putting Checking some water on the plants it. and they still look good yeah, you know didn't have to deep root water really you know just kind of moisten it up as time progressed then uh it got irrigation one time early morning and then it was the irrigation Oh, no rain. Yeah. Well, we kind of eliminated the rain. Then you went to the irrigation and then hand watering in the middle of the day. With irrigation. With irrigation. And then as we progress. To where we are now. We're getting irrigation twice and hand watering in the middle of the day. And, and can't keep enough water on these right. these container plants. Yeah. And if y'all are ha- if y'all have tropical hibiscus, uh, all kinds of hibiscus, if the buds start falling off, it's just simply not getting enough water. Well, the same thing if they're not blooming, it's simply yeah. not enough water. I mean, think about it. Hibiscus are tropical plants. Mm-hmm. They come from areas that usually get a good bit of rain. Um, yeah, that's our second watering section is a tropical. And then they were just sitting there, and I took a ounce maybe of worm castings maybe two ounces these are one gallons and shook the worm castings around it and then we kept the water up and in about really a week's time mm-hmm. maybe a little more tons of buds that amazing? are popping just so they just because we watered all the fertilizer out in fact i even wrote exactly <laughs> especially for container grown plants we're watering so much we're flushing mm-hmm. every nutrient that's in that soil completely out of there and like you said, Veda, one of your secrets is to put some light layer of earthworm castings on the top of the soil on anything that's in any container, whether that's indoors or outdoors. But it's funny, I wrote down 
this last night, hibiscus not blooming, question mark. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, you know, it can be, you know, too much nitrogen. Of course, mm-hmm. that can always cause yeah. a plant not to bloom. Um, too much phosphate, believe it or not, in this case. Hmm. You know, typically sure, we yeah. add phosphates, phosphates to encourage a plant to bloom. Or hibiscus are just a little different. I think I think even hibiscus food is like a seventeen six ten. You know, it's a, it's a low phosphate number, yeah, believe it or and not. Yeah, a higher nitrogen. Yeah, um, but slow release. Yeah. But the but the biggest thing is is drought stress. Uh, mm-hmm. And you you just like you just said, you got to keep these things moist. You see these beautiful hibiscus shrubs, no blooms whatsoever. They're healthy as they can be. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with them, other than they've just been staying too dry. So if you've got hibiscus out there, whether they're in the ground, we're talking about tropical hibiscus, not the hardy, or whether they're in containers and they're not blooming, it's probably because they're just not getting enough moisture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then again, it goes back to the soil. That's why I like the worm castings too, because if your soil isn't quite proper, the worm castings can create a tea, you know, when you're watering mm-hmm. over it and it uh, creates a liquid fertilizer, which works down into the soil too. The worm castings are like a mulch. And plus the worm castings have so many nutrients mm-hmm. like in the right balance. Mm-hmm. But I I was, I know how great worm castings were, but it was so nice to go out there and, and look at these hibiscus and go, yes. More blooms. Yeah. I'm loving it. And even if you if you can't use earthworm castings, uh, you know, at the very least, and you don't have to, but put Something. a put yeah. a light layer of mulch, you know, on the, on the top mm-hmm. of the soil that'll help hold that moisture in also, because I've seen some beautiful hibiscus in containers uh, for the in really the last two months where it's been so hot and dry, uh, just not blooming, and that's mm-hmm. those are some of the reasons that they're not going to. And I promise you, right now. It's probably more than anything just the lack of moisture, uh, because like I said, they, they you know they come from the tropics. That's <laughs> where they they get water almost yeah. every day. So it's it's just one of those things where, it, you know, the heat and the and the dryness affects mm-hmm. they yeah, everything. It does. I like the alamandas too that have the yellow blooms on them. It's kind of like a nice little bushy plant with yellow blooms. So. I was looking around thinking if I really wanted to make a tropical environment, we've got the awesome looking arrowhead elephant ears. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we can do the hibiscus, banana tree, yeah. cannas. Yeah. And then if you're in the shade, there's the um, aurelia. That looks really hibiscus-like. And and then you can do with the windmill palm in some shade, too. I mean, I see them growing, growing in Florida as understories. Well, you better be out there watering. That's <laughs> the biggest I thing, say. and I don't care what it is. And real quick, talking about that uh, wilt stop while ago, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say use it during the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, the wilt stop, the stuff that we're talking about spraying on the foliage of the plants to hold that moisture in. You want to make sure they're well hydrated before you use it and make sure you use that product early morning or late in the afternoon. I guess it's a little cooler early in the morning, Veda, than it is in the afternoon. I mean, the other night mm-hmm. I was going to bed. It was 10 <laughs> o'clock. It was 86 degrees with a 100-degree heat index. I'm like, what is going on? That's really intense. You know, so maybe early morning if you're having to do any spraying with anything whatsoever, whether it's insecticide, fungicide, or something like this, wilt proof. But I really think I'm going to try it on this big leaf hydrangea. Maybe, I don't think, you know, if I didn't do it, this hydrangea is not going to die. Right. You know, but it, it's looking ragged. And, you know, the blooms that were on there, I mean, they're drying up also. Probably deadhead this thing, get it cleaned up, and then come back and start spraying uh, some of this product. And I'll let you know how it works. And then hope and pray that we get a little rain. Mm-hmm. But, 
you know, you look at the 10-day forecast. There's one day next Wednesday that's got a 50% chance of rain. Of course, that could change, right? <laughs> it could go down to 20%. Yes. But there's only one day out of those 10, the next 10 days that has a chance of rain. And then it'd have to rain really all day slow to give us a good I'm talking about a 50% soaking. chance. I mean, that's just a pop-up yeah, shower, you know? Right. It's 50% chance it's going to hit your house, Kenneth. <laughs> 50% chance it won't. Right. That's that. I mean, it's crazy. And then I was talking about soaker hoses a while ago, Veda. I might have yeah. to invest in some soaker hoses. You know, when you and I were growing up, way back when, you know, most of the old soaker hoses was just a rubber hose with maybe some holes drilled in it, right? Kind of had the stripes on it. Yeah, well, yeah. that was the little flat sprinkler uh-huh. hose, wasn't it? Yes, You know, the, the flat sprinkler hose, you, you hooked it up, you cut it on, and water just spewed mm-hmm. out of it, you know, almost like a mist. Well, the soaker hose came out. It was a round hose. It was supposed to be porous. Mm-hmm. But I always saw where, you know, you had a lot of water coming out on the front end of the hose and hardly any coming out on the back end of the hose, right? Yeah, and then they want you to connect them together, which makes yeah. it worse. Yeah, because you no know one had enough water pressure to make these things work the right way. And then you bury them in the ground, and then the chipmunks, you know, gnaw into them. The squirrels eat them in half. So it just seems like those things were better than nothing, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't really the way to go. But since then, you know, so many technologies, you know, newer, better stuff, the canvas shape. We'll talk about those when we get back. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you can join us today. I'm Veda with Palladio Garden. Yes, she is. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. If you want to give us a call, 260-5926, 260-5926. And, of course, you could go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and see Miss Veda right there in living color. Shoot us a text right there. And if you miss all of this, Veda, kwamradio.com. Go back and listen to the podcast whenever you want to. Yes, fantastic. You know, we're going to do something fun today that's indoors, not outdoors. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about this because it's going to be exotic, I mean, exotic plants, house plants. Uh, It's a lady that, you know, to get the exotic plants, first you buy one that's really expensive and then you make (laughs) cuttings. Yeah, you make cuttings, cuttings, cuttings off of things. Because if I wanted one exotic plant, I could get it from a little cutting for maybe $75 Mm -hmm. and then have to grow and root and all that. Well, I'm not a grower, but she's going to be coming in and uh, because she's got an online store. Who is she? Uh, Nurse to Plants. Mm. Nurse to Plants is the name of um, what she, her company, I guess. And you can find her on Instagram. Nurse plants. plants. So I'm really interested in seeing these exotic plants. You know, we always want something we can't have immediately. But you know, like the philodendron, it used to be just one color. Oh yeah, there's a lot of philodendrons out there. I mean, these plants have pinks and white mixtures in them. How? That's so gorgeous. Yeah. So anyway, for the exotic plants, uh, come check us out at Palladio. And um, 
What all fun things are y'all doing at the garden center? Yeah, I mean, we're still, I mean, we're, you know, we're selling sod this time of oh, year. Sod, and, you know, yeah. a lot of sprinklers, a lot of hoses, yeah. including the soaker hose we were talking oh, about a while do ago. you have that cool hose you were talking well, about? Is that it? You or? know, most of the soakers now, and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's trying to figure out a way to water. And that's just mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Uh, you know, it, it's a pretty neat thing to get like a, just a manual timer and screw it mm-hmm. onto your faucet. And, you know, screw the soaker hose or whatever, sprinkler or whatever. Screw it to the timer and just twist the timer. You can, you know, these like mm-hmm. these dram timers, you can set them from five minutes up to two hours. And it doesn't cut the water on, but it automatically mm-hmm. cuts it off. So oh, you can just good. set that thing on whatever you want and leave the house if you want. And it's going to automatically shut off. I was watering the front yard the other night. And, I mean, because I... I you know, I'm not really watering my lawn. I'm watering mm-hmm. all the landscape, but I just don't have the time to keep up with watering the lawn, okay? Mm-hmm. So I had the water going on with the sprinkler in the front yard, and I'm, I'm up there fixing a climbing bed, and Gina said, did you cut that sprinkler off? Oh, no. No, I hadn't uh-huh. cut it off. <laughs> so I get, you know, get, get dressed again, go down there and cut the thing off. I'm thinking, okay, this is getting ridiculous. I need a timer. You know, yeah, and um, you know, I don't know where you can find one, Kenneth. Maybe like on the shelf at your store. Yeah, you know, that's simple. <laughs> it's too hard to remember to grab it. <laughs> so you know, just I mean, just for that reason only. You know, I can see me just if she hadn't said anything, uh-huh. <laughs> that water would have run all, all night, night on yeah. the front yard. Now I'm not saying it would have hurt anything, Beta. Mm-hmm. I probably needed it to yeah. run all night, but it. Uh, but these canvas soaker hoses, these are the ones instead of made out of rubber, they're just made out of a fabric. Mm-hmm. And the reason I really like them, I think you get a better distribution of water from the very beginning of the hose to the very end of the hose, an even distribution, if you mm-hmm. will. Because, like I said, remember the old soaker hoses? You'd cut that thing on full blast. You'd get a ton of water coming out of the front, hardly any coming out of the back end of it. So, you know, it's just I. I, I I've never used a soaker. I think I'm going to have to maybe this year in particular, looking at the forecast like we've been talking about the last month, you know, it's just and an, an set a timer up. And I think it's just going to be an easy way to maybe keep these things hydrated. Yeah, absolutely. I used a soaker hose on all my beds um, and put them on timers as well. And so it was really nice just to... Hmm. I mean, it's almost like having your own irrigation just installed. Turn the thing on and automatically yeah. shuts off, you know? Like I use I use <laughs> one that will... Come on at whatever hour I set it, set it on. So at the garden center, we've got it coming on at night, and then it comes on in the morning. But I tell you what, trying to get – that's a hard thing, getting things set up properly to get water in the proper places. Like, we're still – we're using the uh, tripod mm-hmm. irrigation. So I try to set it up so I'm not the only one that has to do it. Now, this is a, a sprinkler that's setting on top of a tower, right. if you will. yes. Yeah. So I spray-painted – like each little feet of it yeah. to mat and let the spray paint get on the concrete. So I told them when you set it down, you want this thing to line up with the yeah. paint that's on the concrete exactly. there. Exactly, or otherwise you're going to flood the building. And then on the other side, there's no spray paint. So I put a tag on the irrigation. I put a tag on the fence. And I said, this pole goes to right yeah. here. Yeah. And um, then you got to check and make sure there's no kinks in the hose. You have to actually make sure the water's turned on. Is the timer, and then you've got the other little knob that will turn off hoses. This one, that one. <clears throat> so you have to make sure that's turned on. So I come in 
and I've got this all wrote out. Mm-hmm. Check this, check this, check this. Yeah, to make sure everything's getting properly hydrated. Right. And it's, not the front door, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm almost there. But the big thing is, is somebody will call and go, I forgot to set the hose up. Yeah. And I go, it's all right. I got it. Well, you, but you've got to still well, check your adjustments. Well, you know what the you know the quote of the month is, don't you? No. What you know, it? irrigation systems are set up to irritate, not irrigate. <laughs> I've not heard okay. that. That's really. And good. tell me, it's not true. It's true. I mean, I'm talking about. I mean, most of them out there are set mm-hmm. up to irritate. Yeah. Not irrigate, and what I mean by that is, either they're not hitting everything they should be hitting, they're not coming on near long enough. You know, I mean, they, they might be set back in the fall when you were planting, yeah. okay, and they got some moisture coming out, and you get a little bit of moisture out there, maybe enough to wet the mulch, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you guys, in times like this, you've got to have some deep watering going on. That's why you and I always say, even if you have irrigation, or irritation, if you will, you still got to go out there and make the rounds with that hose and do some deep watering, especially for plants that were planted last fall or even this spring. Yeah. You know, you can't rely just on that irrigation. And that's what I, the comment that I made in the first five minutes of the show. Nine out of ten samples that are coming into the garden centers are all water-related. And usually most of them, most of them, there's a few, but most of them are from underwatering. And nine out of the ten people that you talk to are have irrigation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I get it. I understand. That right. is great. Wonderful thing to have. But that is not the answer to all the questions. You Especially know? if you do a lot of plantings, perennials, annuals, and put them around your yard, then that's where you do get a lot of issues. Because, you know, when they put irrigation in, they're usually setting it up for the shrubs that are in there. But then again, yeah, and then as your shrubs and things grow, you should have your irrigation heads adjusted. (laughs) But we don't. We just let it happen. Who does? I mean, no Mm -hmm. one does. Think about it. Yeah. You know, or have the volume of water either turned up or turned down. That's that's (laughs) the biggest thing. I mean, you've got zone A that comes on for 10 minutes, right? Zone B comes on for 10 minutes. Well, these things might need to be coming on for 25 or 30 minutes. This time of year. Now, you can always scale them back, you know, in the fall when it starts to cool off or we start getting more rain. But that's my whole point. I mean, I have nothing against irrigation systems, but like we always say, Veda, we see just as many dead plants under irrigation as we do with no irrigation whatsoever. Right. And it doesn't make sense, but it does if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So let's do the uh, installation of water gardens. You know, oh, please. That, yeah, that way. <laughs> You can have beauty without having to water, except for the water gardens are, are evaporating so fast, we still have to put the hose in it. But it's nice and cool sitting next to a water garden. And, you know, you can get... Um, you know, it's a myth. You know, you might think that you're cooler. It is, especially if it's in the shade. Though. Yeah, okay. You know, full sun, out in full Hear sun. Hear the water and, run in the background, you know, yeah. the trickling of that water. I mean, it is a, it's a nice feeling, but... Well, and if you're on a patio, there are, like, we have these water garden bowls. They're big enough to get, like... You can almost do this water garden bowl like you do your containers at... A thriller, yeah. a filler, and a spiller. <laughs> yes. Because, like, the thriller would be something in the center. Horsetail reed. Something taller. Yeah. So, any time of uh, any kind of like the juncus or the swirly juncus. So, that could be your center, your thriller. Or a canna stuck in oh, there, yeah, you know, in the center of it. And then you can have uh, planted at the bottom of that the pitcher plants. You can do that. And then you can put your uh, water lilies in. Mm. And then that will be. 
covering the surface so you don't have the algae problem. And, and, you, don't then, have, and you don't have to worry about no, watering. No, and, <laughs> and Creep and Jenny will trail over the side, too. Ah. So, and then it's a perfect little environment for fish because fish can live in that. And a lot of people are thinking if it's that small, can I have fish? And even if it's sitting in the full sun, those water lilies will oh, they cover shade, the They shade, keep the water cool, right, sure. Right, right. So you can still do that. And you, there's little pumps with little fountain heads that go on it. But you can have the whole effect of a water garden on your patio. That's pretty cool. It I'm really telling you. Is. Or, and then mosquitoes, you know, you can always put in a few of the mosquito yeah, bits, and that keeps the right. mosquito larvae, yes. you know, it'll kill those. Or so. if you have the fish, you know, that they'll munch out on that too. But if you don't, yeah, definitely use those mosquito bits. Yeah, and then fountains, you know, Veda, you know, just like I said, the sound of water, I mean, it's very cooling. Mm-hmm. It's a cooling effect. There's no doubt about it. But just the sound is not going to keep our plants alive. You know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so we're, we're having to get out there. And I know we keep preaching this, guys. I mean, we're not preaching to you, but we're just bringing this up because we see so much of the damage that's out there. Uh, and like I said, even with the irrigation. And, you know, like I said, I watered my lawn the other night, the front yard. I hadn't watered the backyard. I just don't have time. So, But I am making sure that I am making my rounds and watering the nursery stock mm-hmm. and the bedding plants. And I'm telling you, the bedding plants, I'm watering all I can water, and they're still suffering. They're, they're having a hard time taking up the moisture. You know, plants at a certain temperature will just kind of sit. They're in survival mode. Yeah, wait till they can breathe. And we're not going to talk about watering for the whole three hours. But no, we wanted but it, you to get, you know, how important it is to water. And we don't think about all the little watering secrets. But we're going to head to a break, and then we're going to tell you more about what's going on in the next two hours. Call us at 260-5926, or you can put questions on our Facebook Live. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can join us the top of the hour we're gonna have our wonderful friends here with the great tomato contest we'll give you some more information about that and that's the great tomato contest miss mm-hmm. Vega. love it big juicy red green black tomatoes mm-hmm. purple tomatoes oh yeah cherry tomatoes heirloom oh, yeah. tomatoes hybrid the- tomatoes oh that reminds me speaking of tomatoes i was well, watching some show you know Gosh, what was actually? I think it was a futuristic show, and they were the girl said, "Well, these you need to use, or how do you get your things to grow so well?" She goes, "I use Monsanto seeds, and I have to have a code to use them." And the guy looks at her and goes, "This is heirloom. That's why our garden's so nice." It's like, wow, you know, just it was wrote in a movie. Funny. That's funny. Yeah. Hey. We laugh now, right? Yeah, I know. Can you, you imagine? Privilege to get a code to grow your vegetables. And then the last thing on water, guys, and I'll get off of it. I just can't help myself. <laughs> you know, we're talking about, you know, of course, watering uh, landscapes. And, and, of course, you got to water containers big time. And you hope that you're using a good, high-quality mm-hmm. potting soil this spring when you did you plant the things in your container. And you absolutely need saucers to hold some water. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking about the ones outside. Mm-hmm. Um but but typically when you're watering, let's say for your lawn, for example, um, you know, people ask me and tell me all the time they're watering, uh, you know, late in the day. Uh, and they think it's better to late to water late in the day, mm-hmm. Veda, because the moisture stays there longer, you know, through the night where you don't have the sun coming up until the next day. Right. Right. Well, man, I can see why people would think that way, but that's really not the best way or the best time to water your lawn. 
Uh, really, the best time to do it is early in the morning uh, and before 10 o'clock a.m. Uh, and the reason being, yes, you, you do want the water to penetrate the soil, and you do want it to stay there maybe more than five minutes, right? But you do want the excessive moisture to dry off during the day. Right. Because if not, you're going to create a fungal environment, and it's going to happen, whether it's lots of rainfall or whether you're doing it yourself. If you keep watering late in the day or at night, uh, that, that grass actually stays wet all night, per se. Uh, and it, it does create a potential fungal environment. So I'm just throwing this out there. I'd rather see people water at midnight than not water at all, yeah. honestly. Uh, but if you had the chance, I would rather see people, much rather see people mm-hmm. when they're watering their lawn, try to water early in the morning to give that lawn a chance to somewhat the blades of the grass to dry up uh, during the course of the day. Right. Yeah, like our irrigation comes on about five in the afternoon when we're leaving and it's just enough to get them damp or wet to be able to absorb the next round of irrigation because if you're (laughs) trying to water something that is so dry is almost impossible and that's you know i'll push like in containers i can't get the water in it like four inch containers Mm -hmm. i'll just take my thumb and push a hole in there and then let the water fill up in that hole. And that's the only way, because otherwise it's, it's just running right off the top. Run off, and or, or t- this is how you can tell how dry a plant is. Sometimes we cheat, and there's that water garden sitting over there, and I pick up <clears> one <throat> little four-inch plant, and I throw it in the, the little pond, and it just floats, like, for hours. <laughs> so then you're that pushing. that dried peat yeah, in there, yeah. Then you're pushing it underwater, and it pops back up. And so you're just standing there holding it, holding it till it, it gets it. So that's the thing is people aren't. They're putting a cup full of water on their containers where you see the top of the soil good and wet, but you've got to go deeper. Where And and we have saucers. I put saucers underneath my containers outside, and I water until the saucer's full. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of hours later, mm-hmm. you know, after it's used all the moisture in the container, it pulls up what's in the saucer. So it does. You're, you're buying time. Yeah, and, and we're talking about during these, these periods of extreme heat and drought that we're going through. I mean, normally, you know, we'd go out there and water our pots, and, you know, if the saucer, saucer filled up, you know, an hour later, we'd go out there and empty the saucer, you mm-hmm. know, because we didn't want the thing just sitting in water. Yeah, well, not now. That's not a problem, I'm telling <laughs> not you. Not a problem. I think uh, my saucers get deeper as the season goes on. But, you know, when you're watering, if there's not a saucer to collect the water, I mean, it's just running right through and, and going away. Well, in, in, <laughs> And it makes you think on just the flip side of that. There are some beautiful decorative pots out there that have no Mm -hmm. drainage whatsoever. Uh, And whether it's a lightweight, you know, plastic pot, whether it's, you know, even sometimes a ceramic pot. Mm -hmm. I mean, they look beautiful. They're beautiful pots, but they're really mostly to be used indoors more Mm -hmm. than outside. Uh, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's impossible, almost impractical to think that you can grow a plant outside in a container that has no drainage because you can't monitor the, the amount of mm-hmm. water that's going to sit in the bottom of that pot. Uh, in fact, they shouldn't even really make pots without <laughs> drainage for outdoor yeah. use. They shouldn't. Oh, no, exactly. You right. know, it, it's just too hard. Now, a lot of people, if, especially if it's a nice, lightweight, molded, you know, concrete-looking plastic pot, mm-hmm. you know, they'll go in there and drill holes in the bottom of them, and that's absolutely fine. You're creating good drainage. But I, I just, for the life of me, uh, and I guess they're thinking that you can always drill a hole, but if you don't drill the hole, you can always use it inside. Mm-hmm. Well, even indoors, it's still hard to grow plants indoors right. 
without nice, good drainage. Yeah, exactly. um, it's and just I'm, tough. I'm always looking for the containers with no holes for indoors for the ones that they don't want to take it out and plant it mm-hmm. into the container. So we just put the container down into it. So if you so, buy a plant that's yeah. already in its plastic pot, right. right? You take that plant and just set it down into mm-hmm. the decorative pot. Right. But that's fine because it's not being planted, like you said, yeah. in that pot. Right. And you do still have to watch, though, yeah. because it doesn't drain out. You put a saucer under there and all. But, you know, you start learning your plants like it'll take this one takes like three cups of water yeah. to get it full but I, I you know on the house plants i usually do not soak them con- the bigger ones like all the way because it, it would take so much they seem to survive well that house plants like to go more on the dry side now what about the people that took all their house plants outdoors this year i mean there are yeah. a lot of people you know they'll of course bring their house plants in mm-hmm. in the fall uh through the winter but a lot of people take them back out in the spring well, those same houseplants are out there, Veda, now in this mm-hmm. crazy... It's not that they can't really take the heat so much. Most of them can. Yeah. Not, some of them can't. Right. But you you better be out there making sure these mm-hmm. things are staying hydrated. And like I said, on every pot that's out there, there's no reason whatsoever not to have a little bit of earthworm castings or a little bit of mulch or something up there on that top dressing to hold that moisture in a little longer. Right. Yeah, it's because we get such a large shipment that we put some outside, and you can watch them. Like, we have one of the same variety inside and one of the same variety outside. So the one on the outside has grown like six inches, but the one on the inside is just hanging out looking good. Yeah. Well, now... I'm going to have to start acclimating it to inside mm-hmm. because this is a ficus ali. Yeah. And most people are going to keep that indoors. So I need to start acclimating it to get into indoors into a lot of light because you know how leaves fall off to uh, change for their lower light situation. Well, and, and so, but overall, I mean, I think during periods of weather that we're having right now, mm-hmm. I mean, it is so hot that... You know, normally these tropical houseplants thrive outside. Well, this might be the only time that I would say that they're not really thriving out there, mm-hmm. especially if they're getting too much sun. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a whole nother thing. I told the girl to take it out and water it. She sat in full sun for hours. Oh, yeah. It's just gone. Oh, yeah. Gone, gone. All right, y'all. That's our first hour. We got a lot more to go. We're going to talk about the tomato contest. After this, you can see us on Facebook Live or stream us at radio.com. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. You know, we used to have another name, and we said that name for like 23 years. Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes I just... It's the same thing. Mid-South gardening, you're in in the the garden. garden. I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. But the big thing coming up, um, where'd my brochure go? Here, I got it right here, is the Great (laughs) Tomato Contest coming up on July the 16th, which if I'm not mistaken, Veda, that's a week from today. Yes, so I'm not going to eat any tomatoes all week 
so I can really want and desire tomatoes for Saturday. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, this next Saturday at the uh, Agri Center, you know, out there by the the big red mm-hmm. barn, the great tomato contest. And I don't know how many people in this United States that we have have a tomato contest like we do. And it's not a eating. We're not going to see who can eat the most tomatoes. No, it's not like a hot dog <laughs> no, eating right. contest. This oh. is the, the bragging rights on the best mm-hmm. tomatoes. Now, Jenny, Debbie, Debbie, good morning to y'all. Morning. And we've got Jan and Jamie here. But where did the, where did this whole thing begin, this, this great tomato contest? Well, Jamie Childers had mm-hmm. this great idea that we needed to do this, and he got us all excited, and it's just become an <laughs> annual event for us. And this is going to go on forever. You uh, know that. You cannot mm-hmm. say no to Jamie Childers. No, no. Mm-hmm. So, this, so Jamie was the brainchild of this, so he said, okay, everybody loves their tomatoes. That's the one thing, Vedas, you know people get passionate about. You know, I've always said... Jenny, you can have the best eggplant, you can have the best okra, the best squash, but if that tomato plant doesn't produce, for some reason, that garden was a complete failure, you know? Amen. And it just doesn't make sense, but it's just that way, right. though. It was, just, it was like this year I was going to do a garden, but since I didn't get the tomatoes in, then I just didn't do any garden. <laughs> you know? I cannot because believe you, you got, didn't plant tomatoes in your containers this year. It's just one of those years where it rained and the weather was cool it was kind of extended and on and on and then you're going to grab one from the garden center and you were too hot that day tomorrow i'm going to get one from work and i'm too exhausted i'm the world's worst at doing that yeah. kind of stuff so next well, thing I don't know you all know, know this but there are 30 million gardeners in the united states that plant tomatoes that's a lot wow. you know so the master gardeners thought this was a great opportunity to fulfill our mission to teach people in the community some gardening skills yeah so this is not Aww. just the tomato contest this is also about a a learning Period, exactly, right? Exactly. That's what the master gardeners here are all about. So, so Debbie, when uh, a week from this Saturday, if I wanted to enter uh, a tomato or tomatoes in the tomato contest, I mean, what do I do? I mean, what's the whole procedure? Okay, so you come on out and bring your tomatoes. You can drop them off between 9 and 11. Okay. We will have application forms on site for you to fill out, or you can go to our website and download the application mm-hmm. there and mm-hmm. have it all filled out when you arrive. Mm. Yeah, it's really easy to tell. I'm looking at the website and big green box download for registration so much easier it is and you can enter heaviest uh cherry slicing heirloom and we're going to be looking for that best of show oh yeah and the heaviest tomato you know i know that we're going to have and we'll go over the judges here in just a minute but i know one of the judges is going to be our very own miss veda vance right here so i'm thinking if i can get a tomato and i put like you know, BBs and stuff in it. <laughs> and, and make it, or, you know, and, and, and I'm going to hand pick it and uh-huh. give it to you, Miss Veda. And then I'm going to go crunchy tomatoes. Yeah, from Kenny. And, but this is the heaviest tomato, though. <laughs> true. So, that I mean, true. so these shenanigans that are going on, Jamie, I mean, is I'm sure there's, you know, mm-hmm. if I happen well, to win the heaviest one, people are going to look at me and go, something's going well, see, on. see, we won't n- notice that's what you did because y'all have all seen the tomato where the seeds are inside growing, and so the skin is, yeah. is perfect so you, But you're not running these through x-rays or anything, right? No, but I have a sixth <laughs> sense for Uh-oh. shenanigans, so watch out. I think the largest we've had has been around two and a half pounds, mm-hmm. but in 1986... 
the largest, heaviest tomato mm. was 8.6 pounds. How Can in the world? Imagine? No. That's bigger than a newborn baby. <laughs> oh, that's bigger yeah. than a watermelon. Yeah. How did I would like to know how they accomplished that. You know what they did? And honestly, you know, people kind of like rose growers. They'll mm-hmm. pluck every other bloom off of that rose and try to get that one rose to look True, beautiful. Yeah. Well, people that are really serious about winning this contest, because there's monetary awards also, we'll get into that. Is they're out there, Veda, they're plucking all the little small tomatoes off, and they're sending all this energy to like one or two of them, and they're babying this thing, you know? Well, I wonder. And they paid probably uh, $25 for one tomato. Yes, season. you're exactly <laughs> right. You're uh, right. Yeah. So I wonder how it would taste. You know how some things get too big and they're they just usually don't taste ugly. good. The big one, big, uh-huh. big tomatoes are usually oh. ugly. <laughs> So yeah, that makes them even that that way. You know, they were grown in a homegrown garden. But in this case, though, you know, if we're looking for the heaviest tomato, we don't care what this thing looks like. No. We just want to know what it weighs, and right. hope it weighs more than the, my, my neighbor down the street. You know, right. so the the great tomato contest. This is like the what the fifth one, I think. Uh, Jamie, fourth or fifth? Fifth, fifth, wow. fifth. Um, it's been we, going on for five years, and I think crazy. during COVID that one year, they oh, might have skipped right, it. Right. But a week from today, guys, at the Ag Center, so if I want to uh, pertain in this, uh, Debbie, you said between 9 and 11, uh, I can bring my tomato or tomatoes. Did I hear we're supposed to bring at least two tomatoes per entry? That's correct, and and a handful of cherry tomatoes, yeah. at least six of those. Okay. Mm. Hey, so everybody look at the Facebook Live right now because this is something that's going to really make you want to win. Look at that ribbon, first place ribbon. Wouldn't you like to wear that? I've already got so many of those in my house. Oh, quit bragging, (laughs) Kenneth. (laughs) And look at that Elvis tomato. Isn't he amazing? He's just a Memphis tomato. No, that's true. And in the glasses is the uh, bridge. I love this. Yeah, so this is such a great... Oh, and see, it's got a stem on the tomato. And Jamie was saying, you know, it'd be nice if you brought it in with a stem because that's an extra proof you actually grew it. Yeah, and and I heard that they've got a a sticker detector also. (laughs) So you can't, you know, you can't run down to Kroger and get the tomato and have it entered and think you're going to win anything because... They've got the detector, and then they've mm-hmm. got the x-ray machine, so I can't put BBs in the tomatoes to make them heavier. I guess I'm going to have to just do this just straight yeah. up, you know? Yeah. All right, so overall, guys, so the first thing is from 9 to 11, we bring in the tomatoes, right? And, right. and and enter the tomatoes. And you said there's the heavy tomato, there's the heirloom tomato. Best of show. Okay. Slicing. Okay. Yes. Heaviest, cherry, yep. slicing, heirloom, Best of show. Now, and can I enter tomatoes in all those categories? Absolutely. Perfect. You know, and uh, so so once I get the tomatoes entered, uh, and then what happens then? I mean, then I guess the a lot of the consumers just leave, or they they do. But we're going to have a lot of educational stations that you can visit there will be an ask a master gardener table and the people that run that table mm-hmm. are so so knowledgeable mm-hmm. just a wealth of information we will have activities for the children they'll get to plant a tomato seed to take home and we'll talk to them about plant needs and they're also going to get to make a, a tomato puppet because <laughs> you know that the tomato is the state fruit Tennessee. Uh, no, I did, did not, not know I that. I didn't know that either. Now, the Supreme Court back in the 1800s said that tomatoes 
had to be vegetables because of taxation reasons. Right. Oh, right. But we do know that a tomato is a fruit. You know, and I noticed you said fruit just a second ago. <laughs> if they had started it out when I was growing up as a tomato as a fruit, I would have really wanted to eat it. So it took me a while to you know, grow into eating tomatoes. And then I had one of the best tomatoes ever. So it's going to be tough to beat that one. Oh, I love tomatoes. Yeah, though, I'm so telling you. I do too. And I know we got to go to a break here in just a minute, Debbie. And we'll talk about this and Jenny and Jan and J- Jamie when we get back. But after the tomatoes have been entered, of course, and then we'll talk about the judges and how's all that being judged. And then how do, we'll talk about how do I, let's say if I win it like I think I am, okay? <laughs> because you're sneaking me the tomato. Yes, baby. Okay, gotcha. Making uh, sure. How do I know if I won this thing or not? So we need to figure out, or I need to know, you know, am I, am I, do I need to sit by the phone all day? Oh, right. And also where it's going to be, like, are we going to be in full sun, part shade, you know? Yeah. You know, because people are going to want to know about the heat issue as well. Exactly. So let's run to a break really quick, and then y'all hang on. And if you want to call and ask some of our tomato people here, we'll be glad to help you. Well, first of all, Veda, show um, the tomato. Uh, the tomato shirt. The tomato T-shirt, which is pretty cool right here. Uh, and... If I'm not mistaken, one of the young ladies, Debbie, that we've been talking to, one of the master gardeners, uh, Debbie's son uh, came up with this yeah. right here, this graph Such right here. Such good. Yeah. Such good design. Yes. It, it makes it look Memphis. Oh, yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, it makes it look Memphis. Okay, so more on, okay, so the heat thing. Well, this is this is where it's going to be. You know, when you go to the Big Red Barn, they have that covering as you walk in the door. Yes. So it'll be under that area. We will have some, some fans, mm-hmm. um, and we're praying for a little cooler yeah. weather. Mm-hmm. So after they drop off their tomatoes, they can mm-hmm. walk around, enjoy the Big Red Barn produce, and they do not have to be present right. to know if they won. As soon as we finish the scoring, we will call them. And if we don't find them on Saturday, we will mm-hmm. track them down. They're welcome <laughs> to come back that yeah. day and pick up their prize money and their ribbons, or we will hold them at the Master Gardener okay. office, and they can pick them up there. Okay, Man. she just got my attention. You said prize money. I thought we were doing this just for a ribbon. Uh, it, it, it's really for bragging rights, but to entice you, we have $100 for first place. On there. Second place for 50 and $25 for third place. And there's no way I could win all three, though, correct? Right. No. That wouldn't be fair. Oh, best You're overall. An amazing tomato grower. I guess it's, it's you po- could, it's couldn't you? Possible, but not probable. Right? I got you. Well, there's the best overall tomato. You get $200. And then as far as the people that are actually going to be doing the judging, I think this is great. Uh, Valerie Smith, she's a circuit court judge. So you got a judge for a judge, right? Correct. Uh, which is the best. And Valerie's great. She was there a couple years ago when I was also a judge, and she's just she's wonderful. And then John McCalla, I've heard of him. He's the chief federal judge for the Western District of Tennessee. And like Jamie said, it doesn't get any higher than that. So you've got a federal judge. And he's very serious about his judging. Oh, well, yeah, of course he is. So we got two real judges. And then Alina uh, Haggerty, um, Jamie, um, she's the tomato lady from Tipton County. So uh, this will be absolutely great. Walter uh, Battle, uh, Veda. And uh, he's the uh, county agent in Hardeman County and uh, from Ripley. You know, and the big mm-hmm. thing was when we heard the word Ripley, 
we always thought about tomatoes. We're like, yeah. golly, Ripley tomatoes. And, you know, best one. thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what, there's some people around here that figure out how to grow tomatoes. It doesn't have to be a Ripley tomato to be a good tomato. So this would be fun. And then our very own, very, very own Miss Veda Vance mm-hmm. right here is going to be a judge also. And that's my inside track yeah. right there. <laughs> so, I, I, y'all, I just, I'm telling you, it, this is more fun than anything. And like Debbie was saying, just the bragging rights, you know? I mean, just to, for, for that whole year, uh, Jenny, to walk around and say, you know, I mean, I think I'd wear the ribbon every day, honestly, for a year. <laughs> and, you know, he because it, 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 it's the best thing in the world to be known as having one, either any of these classifications, to have a really great tomato year, you know? And like I said before, you can have a great garden. If the tomatoes just don't perform like they should, for some reason we all think it's a failure, which is not, of course, but... It's, tomatoes or is something special about these tomatoes so oh so y'all are gonna have recipes <coughs> we are gonna have some recipes that we're going to hand out that the extension agents mm-hmm. there that are in charge of nutrition sent our way that's a great idea yeah we'll have just a lot of knowledgeable people there mm-hmm. to not only answer your tomato questions but to answer other questions oh. as well oh yes yeah. so so there's gonna be a lot of good stuff and stuff for kids activities yes and um, then so the it was the slice. So they need to bring one for the slicing. They need to bring no, two or bring two, two for two. The slicing, and then two for the heirloom, two for the cher- handful for the cherry yeah. tomato, and then the heaviest tomato. Those are your four categories. I planted the cutest little tomato this year. It's called a Tom Thumb, and mm-hmm. only got to be about six inches tall, and it has yielded and yielded and yielded. There's no huh. way. I, it is the cutest little thing. I have it on the and it pots on the patio, oh, and man. it's still just little teeny mm-hmm. tiny. So if I was going to take those little teeny tiny ones, yeah, I, oh please, I like them <laughs> you <laughs> don't do <laughs> that. <laughs> and that's always been the thing is you know there's so many different tomato plants out there that it's almost mind boggling, and that's what confuses a lot of people is Jenny, you know, Debbie, which which tomato do I plant? But that's the, you know, that's the cars that we keep close to our chest right there, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. In fact, I've got a gentleman that drives up from Mississippi every year. Him and his friends down there, they must, I don't know what they bet, but they bet something about they can grow the best tomato than their neighbor can. And he's always coming up and he's, all right, Kenny, you know, what's the secret on tomatoes this year? Is there a brand <laughs> new tomato that's out, you know, the best mm-hmm. tomato ever, ever? And it's just, it's, it's so funny the way, you know, that... They just try to get one over on the other when it comes to tomatoes. My brother and I have a contest to see who can have the first ripe tomato. See, there you go. He lives 60 miles south of me in Mm. Panola County, and we both had a ripe tomato on the same day, but I won because mine was bigger. (laughs) Wow. See, I would think more in the south it'd be quicker yeah. well that's what he always thinks but mm-hmm. i fooled him so so debbie she's she's already on to this beta you know <laughs> but uh, as far as tomatoes go guys i'm saying you know and it, and it doesn't have to be a beautiful looking non-blemished tomato uh especially when it comes to the heirlooms because you know some of those in this heat they can have a little scar on them and you know that's all fine and good because the judges are not eating the whole tomato they're just eating mm-hmm. a piece of that tomato okay so y'all get some earthworm castings put around your tomato i mean even though we still have a a week anything that you do right now is going to help it oh they just get yeah so do some worm castings there is some tomato tone you can put down or do the liquid like the big bloom you know add that to your soil you know you might even shade them 
in the middle of the day. I would. You know, the shade them, that would, that would help them. And uh, water. And Don't forget that. Well, even when you think it's okay, <coughs> still check it out and maybe water again. Well, but let's also not forget that, yeah, this is all fun and it's great. And it's a great Saturday, you know, for everybody involved. But it's also is from the Memphis Area Master Gardeners. And y'all's whole goal is about education, you know, and that's that's the, you know, we can't forget about that either. Right. You know, Debbie, and like you said, you'll have Ask a Gardener there. Uh, I mean, you can go in there. It doesn't have to be about tomatoes. It can be about anything. So, you know, thank goodness for the Memphis Area Master Gardener program and the wonderful people. I mean, the wonderful people up here invaded with us. Mm -hmm. And if you would like to become a Master Gardener, the applications (coughs) are available online. They will be due by the end of July. Mm -hmm. And we would love to have you come and be an intern. The classes, the lectures are amazing. And you will meet the most interesting, delightful cross-section of people, (laughs) Master Gardeners. And they're usually really good cooks. And Debbie, you said, so if you want uh, to become a Memphis Area Master Gardener. You need to have that application in by the end of this month. That is correct. And that is for next year. Yes. For classes. Yes. Yeah. They start yeah. in January. <laughs> they meet once a week for about four or five hours. Right. It's usually 9 to 1230, right. something like that. Mm-hmm. But they bring uh, professors and lecturers <coughs> from around the region in. Mm-hmm. You get such a wealth <coughs> of information and it was on my bucket list when I retired. It was yeah. one of the first things that I did. And I have the most wonderful circle of friends. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You do. And what about, you know, you hear some of the ladies that come into the garden, so they say they don't want to do it because they're scared that the classes are going to be so hard. They don't want to, you know, fail the test. I mean, is that yeah. I've graded those tests for years, and yeah. I think in all the years that I've graded those tests, uh, zero people yeah. have So been. there you go. So that's not a worry. It shouldn't be a worry no. whatsoever. Dr. Chris Cooper just likes to scare the interns about Oh, that that's test. so cute. Well, I mean, you know, think about it. When you go to any school or any project, you don't know until you go through it. You're not supposed to go in knowing what you're supposed to know at the end. Well, it's the teacher-student thing, too. You know, the teacher's got to be in control, you know. After Mm -hmm. you complete the course, we ask our interns and our members to give us 40 volunteer hours. And there are so many opportunities in Mm -hmm. Memphis and so many different categories. My thing is working with kids, but we have a victory garden in Kyerville. We have people that work at the zoo. We have all these venues, the cradle graves at Elmwood. And you just find out a lot about gardening Mm -hmm. in Memphis just by going out and doing this volunteer work. Man, I had no idea you went to all those places. And then, of course, y'all do it at the Botanic Gardens, too. Yes, and the Dick. And, and Lichterman and everywhere else yes, in between. Yes. yes. So that's a, it's a win-win. And, Jenny, you know, I've always talked about that, you know, the <laughs> people uh, going through the process and putting back the volunteer hours. And really that's what makes the engine run more than anything. It's the people out there, the volunteers are the ones – you know, that, yeah. that, that make it run, I'm telling you. All right. I always said when somebody wanted to work at the garden center, I said, so you're telling me that you want to work really hard for no pay. <laughs> You've got to have a passion for this because if you don't, you're just going to go, hmm, I don't know why I'm doing this. So um, also with the Master Gardeners, 
gardeners are like the, uh, literally the nicest people. You think? Yeah, they really are. When I used to go to classes, like motivational speakers for garden center things from like the whole United States, all these speakers, I mean, they'd be from the Harley Davis, who helped do that, um, create that company better, even basketball coaches, just all kinds of people from different areas as motivational speakers. And they'll go, I don't get it. This is the most fun yeah. crowd. All of them, gar- you gardeners are the nicest people either all the time so don't be worried about going in with trying to learn because we're so nice and it's just like (laughs) it's just like your neighbor just good Mm -hmm. people so real quick i know we got to go to a break guys the great tomato contest coming up july the 16th next saturday get those tomatoes in like you said debbie between 9 and 11 o'clock that's right Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're here talking about the Great Tomato Contest. If you want to give us a call and ask some questions at 260-5926, or you can post them on Facebook Live. Yeah, and just real quick, we want to thank Debbie uh, and Jenny and Jan and Jamie for coming up. I mean, great people, Veda. You know, they take time out of their morning. You know, they could be at home still asleep right now. But they take time to come up here and talk about this uh, this wonderful thing coming up. We know the Master Gardeners will be outside in their yard first thing. Oh, yeah. So they're, they're awake. But kind of a recap <laughs> on the Great Tomato Contest coming up July the 16th, uh, which is next Saturday. Guys, uh, get your tomatoes together. And, you know, there are different entries that you can enter. You know, you got the heaviest tomato. You may, maybe only need to enter one of those. Now, if you've got two big ones, enter them both. But... You know, for the heaviest, if you want to just gently put that thing in the cooler, you know, with yeah. all the little soft Don't stuff around it. No, no, yeah. no, I'll, no, honey, let me drive, you know. <laughs> um, get it up there and get it checked in. And then the cherry tomatoes, of course, you can take a handful of those. But you mentioned the slicing tomatoes and the heirloom tomatoes. Now, the slicing tomato, you know, that's just the old hybrid tomato, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, and then the heirlooms, uh, you know, the Cherokee Princess and the Cherokee Purple and those uh, just wonderful so, heirloom tomatoes. So like on the slicing tomato, is that, um, you know, well, there you've got points. Big enough to put to, on a BLT. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so we can try it out on the BLT. Oh, right? doesn't that sound good? Yeah, because that's one of my favorites. So, yeah, your point system. Yeah, so you, so the criteria, Veda, mm-hmm. as you know, for, for judging, you're going to be one of the judges. Uh, how does that look? I mean, I know you. Okay, so the flavor gets ten points. Well, and it should because taste to me is everything. Yeah, tomato taste, slightly acidic, juicy, fresh tasting with tender skin. Mm. Please, and uh, five points for the firmness. Okay. Five points for the exterior color. Five points for the shape. Okay, so it's also the the look of the tomato. Right. I mean, now if you have the ugliest tomato out there, mm-hmm. and it's the best tasting one. Then you're still going to get yeah. good points, but you and know, also, I wanna, when I go out and buy a tomato, I want a tomato to look, look like good, it. Yeah, right, right? You know, yeah. And uh, the thing is, it's a group decision, and it's based on the judges' notes, not just the scores. It's blind judging. Yeah, it's so I can't. There's no shenanigans going on whatsoever. <laughs> so, uh, and then real quick, Debbie, we were talking about the judges again. You know, Valerie Smith, who is a circuit court judge, John McCalla, who's the chief federal judge of the Western District of Tennessee. Uh, Elena Haggerty, uh, a tomato lady, is what they call her. Mm-hmm. You know, so she knows her tomatoes from Tipton County. And then Walter uh, Battle, uh, the county agent, Hardeman County, uh, you know, from Ripley. So that's 
great to have him in there also because there again you know we've all heard all heard about the ripley tomatoes and he's very entertaining yeah oh, it'll mm-hmm. be fun and then of course our very own miss veda vance she'll be up there so those are some great judges uh, for the tomato contest so i'm telling you guys get your tomatoes together get them down there get them checked in between nine and eleven uh, and you can go ahead. You said you can go online and fill out the you form. You can go online at our Master Gardener website. It's www.memphisareamastergardeners.org. <laughs> I'm still typing. And, and you, you can download that application and get it filled out and bring with you, or we will have card, hard copies on site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you don't get it done like I wouldn't but before mm-hmm. I got right. down there, I can just fill the paperwork out when I get there. Get everything turned in, and then I just wait for my phone call. That's right. And please walk around and enjoy the educational venues that we will have and talk to our Ask a Master Gardener table. Go in, visit the farmer's market. Yeah, exactly. All wonderful things. And then uh, also, Debbie, uh, you said if you want to become a Memphis Area Master Gardener for next year. Now, we're not, you know, we're in the middle mm-hmm. part of this year. For next year then you want to make sure that you get online and get the application submitted before the end of this month, yes, right? Yes, it's due by the end of the month. <clears throat> Classes will begin in January, and this will be an evening class this year. So my gardening mm-hmm. friends that are still out there in the workforce yes, and ma'am. can't do our daytime class, this is a great opportunity for you. The fee is minimal. Yeah. And... Uh, you get a lot of really good information, wonderful speakers, and it's just a delightful organization. Yeah, yeah, well, so this you. the class is in the winter, yeah, in January, which is great yeah. because it can be cold, and it's a good place for everybody to go to hang out with gardeners and do something gardening. Because sometimes in January you're just kind of like, well, seed catalog yeah. again. It, is, right. it, is that the same webpage, Memphis area www.memphisarea? MemphisAreaMasterGardeners.org is that where you'll find the yes, and it's a very user-friendly website. You should see right away where the application is. All right, perfect. Right. So yeah, guys, you can just say into your phone, Memphis Master Gardeners, and it'll just pop right back up if you can't will. remember the red site. Well, I wish website. I had some uh, tomatoes to to give y'all before y'all left us this morning. Um, <laughs> But I guess if we want tomatoes, uh, you know, like you said, you can always go out to the Red Barn and, and purchase tomatoes. You can go to your local garden centers uh, and buy the tomato plants. You can go to your local grocery stores and buy tomatoes. But still, growing your own tomato, to me, is really the way to go if you want to get that good taste. Because if you go to a grocery store, and I'd say don't do it, because most people do, you don't know where that tomato came from. And a lot of them, they look great, you know. No, they look like so, you know, and they're breeding a lot of these tomatoes to look good in these supermarkets. They're great for shipping, but you get the thing home, you slice it up, you put it on your piece of bread, Jenny, and it's, it's like moist cardboard. Uh, yes. Moist cardboard. You know, and that's why so many people like to grow their own because they know what these wonderful tomatoes taste like. You know, when they grow their own. So, And we need to be really proud of Tennessee. We're number three in the nation in tomato production. I thought would be number one. We're, We're working three. on it. I guess it's the summer that kind of slows us down a little bit. Yeah, I'm looking at the website at the pictures of the tomato <clears throat> contest from last time. And so that way you can see what was that? Yeah, it's the big tomato and it's not pretty. It's not. It's not no, pretty, it but it's a big one. Well, and back in the day when the tomato contest first started, they had an entry for the most unique 
tomato. Yeah. Well, we were going to say ugly, but we didn't think that was appropriate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So instead of taking the word ugly out and putting in unique, I thought that was a stroke of, stroke of genius. It's you so know? ugly, you got, a, you, you got a unique on it. There are a lot of unique looking tomatoes out there. Well, guys, we love y'all to death. I'm serious. And, gr- and the great work that y'all do, and y'all have been doing it forever. Y'all are wonderful, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, uh, Look at the ribbon again. It's going to make you want to enter the contest. Yeah. Just so you can have that on your wall. Well, you'll have to rip it off Veda's chest. She's going to be wearing it all weekend. <laughs> I just love the look. Anyway, so we thank y'all again, guys. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun next weekend. Uh, at the Great Tomato Contest. I'll make sure I get my tomatoes down there, and I promise you I won't have BBs in there for the heaviest tomato. And we will be there, rain or shine, hot or cold. You got it. Debbie, thank you. Jenny, thank, thank you. you. Jan, thank you. you. Jamie, thank you. And I just love the idea that Veda's going to be one of our mm-hmm. uh, judges again because you've, you've done it before, yes. Veda, so you know... You know, it's the a, whole you know, thing. And I've got you figured out, by the right. way. Did, there, well, there were so many tomatoes <clears throat> being entered. Did y'all... Did it... I had heard something about possibly having two sets of judges because there were so many. We are. We're going to have a group of master gardeners that come in and narrow the field down, Mm -hmm. then give the best of the best to the judges. I got you. And we've gotten more popular each year, Mm -hmm. so the amount of tomatoes that come in to be judged was almost overwhelming mm-hmm. so we had to come up with a way to make it a little more efficient right because that's a lot of tomatoes to taste because i remember a year before last i mean we tasted probably over 200 tomatoes right. and don't get me wrong i love tomatoes mm-hmm. but by the end of the day y'all i was like i don't know if i want to see another tomato for at least another week or well, so the right average american eats 30 pounds of tomatoes a year you might have done it all i think i did it in one wow. day wow Thirty you know, pounds of tomatoes in one year. Because well, they about go on pizza everything. Sauce and oh, that's tomato true. Sauce and ketchup yeah. and all and plus they go on everything anyway. And they, I probably eat thirty pounds of ketchup a year. So oh you boy, know, that's just a good the point. ketchup. Same, yeah. same. All right, we're going to head out to another break, and so we want you to join us after this, and then we'll have another hour to go. You're listening to Veda and Kenneth on Mid South Gardening. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We've had a good time with our tomato gardening buddies. So I hope y'all are getting all ready to get your tomatoes in for next Saturday. That'd be a lot of fun, Miss Veda. God, I'm running up those stairs. <laughs> I'm just not in shape anymore. <laughs> oh, remember when we could do the three, four stairs at the other station? And oh, I yeah. could barely get one. And Kenneth, fine, just catch me with the ribbon. Oh, the girls down there were laughing. You know, <laughs> guys, when everybody was leaving, the whole crew that we had up here, they were going downstairs. I was walking them down, telling them thank you for being here and so forth. Well, here comes Veda walking down the stairs with the ribbon in her hand. She just somehow forgot to give it to him. I started feeling guilty, especially Mm -hmm. for the person that deserves it. I guess your conscience got to you real quick. Yeah, and that happened so fast for me. All right, Veda, (laughs) we had a... um, a, Oh, we got some people that have texted in on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. I got to get in better shape. I'm serious. I'm running up these stairs and I can't even breathe. It said, I picked up some concentrated uh, pyrethrum, okay? But it said, spray up until harvest. Explain that's... Explain that it's mm-hmm. for my snap beans, uh, squash, and tomatoes. Yeah. Okay, so if you buy pyrethrins, which is a good organic insecticide, it can say on a lot of those spray up to the day of harvest, right? And that's what that means. That's the beauty of it. Is is so more or less benign when it comes to spraying this on edibles that you can spray today, wash and eat 
today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what we always say. If you're spraying vegetables, I don't care what you're spraying with, organics or synthetics, you make sure you read that label and understand, you know, um, how about the whole spraying and harvest deal? Because some things you can't spray within seven days of harvest. Mm-hmm. Some things three days of harvest. A lot of things are within the same day of harvest. So it just depends on the product, but that's one of the beauties of pyrethrins. Most of the pyrethrins, uh, not permethrin, but pyrethrin, you can spray up to the day of harvest. So that's good. Like you said, back in the day, you had to spray and then wait. And so you were trying to time it. Oh, yeah. My I mean, tomatoes some things can... you had to wait 21 days before you could harvest. Yeah. Some things, you know, 10 days, 7, 3. And then, like I said, some, some of these products you can spray up to the day of harvest. And that's the beauty of a lot of these products, uh, unlike you said, Veda, mm-hmm. back in the old days. Yeah. You know? And it was different um, chemicals that were used, too. So it usually took about that long to grow out of the plant mm-hmm. to make it safer. But now there's a lot more low toxicity things to use. Yeah. And most of the permethrins are the pyrethrins. Uh, it's a very short span of time between your last spring and the day of harvest. But like I said, it, it has all that listed on the label, uh, whether it's tomatoes, lettuce, mm-hmm. cucumbers, cabbage, whatever. You need to understand and look on there and make sure you know how long you need to wait before your last application before you actually harvest the plant. And then Judy Wood also texted in. She said, good morning. Could you explain the difference between calication and alocasia and how to mm-hmm. care for each, Veda? Okay, so the alocasia is like an elephant ear. Mm-hmm. That is upright. And when you say that's upright, you got to explain that to me. Yeah, so you know, like an elephant ear, some of the traditional ones that just lean over, like elephant ears. The ears are pointing downward. Right. And then the alocasia, it looks like an arrow. The leaves are pointing upwards Mm -hmm. towards the sky. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you have to have both of those in your yard. And the the calabricoa, or was it the. Or the calacacia. So you've got the alocasia and and the calacacia. So the calacacia is the old fashioned. Mm elephant ear that we saw growing up the ears pointing down yeah you know it looks like a big heart the hearts at the top mm-hmm. the points at going down towards the ground where the alocasia is the leaves are pointing more upward right. and i love them both and their their living conditions are the same so they can both um <clears throat> perform right next to each other and you know for when i was growing up i always thought that they would grow that they needed to be in shade Alocasias and calocasias, they can grow in filtered sun, but they can grow in full sun. Yeah, I found that out too. And I, well, actually, I'm the same way. I always thought in shade, and I saw someone had planted a number of them and they were getting full sun. And I think it's something now, like if we had a elephant ear in the shade and then we decided to go plant it in full sun, you, you could would get, get a little burned. burned. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times they need to grow up in their environment, just not get thrown in their environment. And, and then they need a good bit of moisture. I mean, I'm not saying you got to keep them wet, even though they can take a lot of moisture. Uh, you surely don't want to let them dry out. To me, it reminds me of a banana tree. Yeah. You know, you just got to keep that, anything that's got a big leaf like that, mm-hmm. you got to keep that thing hydrated. But the just remember, the, the alocasias uh, are more upright mm-hmm. the leaves the uh, the calacacia is more yeah. down you can buy the plants in the spring or you can buy the bulbs mm-hmm. in the spring well you know it has become such a wonderful sun blocker on the patio because if you think about it when i'm on the patio i'm sitting and the elephant ears <laughs> in a container get really tall so if I place them right where the sun is going to come in, I'm sitting basically mm-hmm. under the alocasia or elephant ear. And it's such a tremendous 
different from just that. I mean, it's almost like, think about how hot it is in the summer, and you see a telephone pole, and you go stand in that little skinny bit of shade. Been there, done it. I know, but it feels better. That is unbelievable. Yeah, so you can plant these... um, or it would be fun to plant them mm. around, like, your kid's play area, sandbox, or the kids play in sandbox a lot of people, A lot of people <laughs> uh, plant them in containers also, Veda. Mm-hmm. But I knew a guy, uh, Mr. Tom, that uh, he loved elephant ears, and he really liked the alocasias, the upright ones, more than anything. But he would bring me pictures. He, he's the one that would go around the neighborhood in the... Uh, fall and pick up all the uh, the plastic uh, leaf bags that were mm-hmm. full of leaves. And he had this huge bed, huge bed, where he had nothing but these alocasias in there. And every fall, he'd uh, dump these leaves in there and let them just break down. Mm-hmm. And these alocasias, I'm telling you, he, I mean, I, I, he brought me an ear, just a, a leaf of one that was probably four foot wide and four foot tall. It was crazy. I'm telling you. That is. But the conditions were perfect for growing mm-hmm. those alocasias. A lot of organic matter. It stayed pretty cool because of all the organic matter he had in this bed. It stayed moist, of course. It got more sun than shade. But it was a blast. And, he, and I would see the pictures of how tall these things got. Now, you know, I can never get mine to do that mm-hmm. ever. You know, ever, because I don't, you know, I'm not driving around the neighborhood looking for ground up leaves and all that stuff, Ada, but it's, to him, it was just a lot of fun to grow. Oh, yeah. So basically, he's using the ground up leaves, which adds a mulch to it. Every year. Yeah, for the protection, because of our up and down temperatures or lots and lots of water. And even through the winter. Yeah. So through the winter, they're protected, and then it's broken down into usable nutrients for them. And it holds moisture And he never fed them. It was just a a matter of keeping the Mm -hmm. things watered. Yeah, because the food was in the soil, so So, they were feeding themselves. And then now, of course, they're, you know, to top all of that, there's so many different varieties. You know, there's the black elephant ears, the Mm -hmm. striped elephant ears. The ones with the The uh, variegated uh, elephant ears, like you're saying, the ones that have the venation that's in Mm -hmm. different colors. There's so many different. Don't be using venation words. Well, the veins and the ears (laughs) are different colors. Listen to that word. It's just my PhD coming through. Uh, Red stems. Some of them have red stems, too. So. Gosh, it's so wonderful. And how, there's one that's an al, uh, alocasia that's called African Mask that looks really neat indoors, too. But it's kind of a smaller one, but it's just known for its look. It's really popular as well. So you can do so many different. It's kind of like hostas. You know, they all have the same foliage, basically, but then they have all these different colors. Of well, the and I was reading online last night about hosta scorch. I don't think I wrote anything mm-hmm. in, my, in my notes about it, but I was reading about, uh, yeah, I did actually, hosta scorch. Um, it's like everything else. I mean, hostas typically is a perennial that we grow in the shade, okay? And yes, there are some what they call sun hostas out there that can mm-hmm. tolerate more sun, than some of the, say, blue hostas, for example, that really need to be in the shade. But if you're not keeping these things properly hydrated, Veda, they are ugly as they can be right now because the leaves are just scorching Mm -hmm. on them. Of course, and it comes down to, you know, it's too much sun. A lot of times that's just the problem. The hostas are getting just too much sun. No matter what the weather is or Uh, the um, watering situation. well, you're right. Yeah, and, and poor soil, you know, it it doesn't drain like mm-hmm. it should. Hostas, in, in, you know, the perfect environment is 
high shade, filtered sun. They don't mind a little morning sun, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. But the soil, it needs to be, and we say this all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, fairly high in organic matter. Uh, just kind of worked in really good. Good drainage out there. Uh, not too much sun, like we mentioned. And, you know, it's one of those things where they, and I think of this, I've never thought of this way. They love moisture, kind of like everything else, but they don't like to stay wet. Yeah. Yeah, so they need to drain quickly. They do need to drain. Yeah. And you would think that something like a big leaf hosta could just mm-hmm. set in water. Yeah. And that is not the case whatsoever. And then, you know, I like to plant hookahs and tiarellas mm-hmm. and all of that. But they like it a little more dry. Mm-hmm. So that's really not a good combination. It, but think about that because they grow in the same environment mm-hmm. as far as the shade goes. Yeah. Uh, but if you, you're right. you got hookahs and hostas in the same bed. The hostas don't mind more moisture. In fact, they want to stay moist, not wet. But like you said, Veda, the heuchers over here want to stay a little bit more on the dry mm-hmm. side. So, yes, yeah, so I always plant my heuchers a little bit higher than the other other things. And then containers, you have to have containers to put the plants in that won't grow in the ground good. Exactly. So heuchers... Uh, hookerellas, tiarellas, they do great in containers. Yeah, they do. But 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 remember, a hosta scorch. If your if your blade or the leaf out there is scorching up right now, just get a pair of scissors, clean them up, and make sure you put the water to them. We'll be right back for another hour. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid South Gardening. We're here with our third hour. We went over the first hour, lots of ways to water. Mm-hmm. Um, exotic plants are going to be at Palladio Garden. We're having a lady bringing in some exotic plants that you can purchase. And we talked about the great tomato contest coming up. And, and the great people that came up here to talk yeah. about it. Debbie and uh, and Jenny and Jan and Jamie, they're we wonderful folks. Yeah. And so y'all can just go to... Uh, just say Master Gardeners in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. It'll just pop up on your phone. But we got another hour. If you want to give us a call, 260-5926, 260-5926, or of course, go to just the Facebook, the Mighty 990 Facebook yeah. page right there, and you can shoot us a text anytime you want. I wanted to ask you again about the hoses, because you sell the canvas soaker hose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 50-foot soaker hoses. Didn't y'all have another hose And we carry new? the Zero-G, okay, yeah. uh, which is a canvas hose. It's just mm-hmm. a regular hose. Yeah. They did, when you and I were growing up, you know, 100 years ago, you know, it was vinyl hoses, mm-hmm. you know, rubber hoses. Well, does the canvas and taste better to drink out of than the rubber hose? I would sure think so, but I'm telling you what, it's a lot lighter to drag around, uh, and it doesn't kink. Like the uh-huh. uh, the vinyl hoses do. I think do. I'll stop and get one and try it out at the garden center. I think you'll love it. That's what we use at at, at the garden yeah, center because, also. Oh my gosh, is it a pain dragging the hoses oh around the displays over the plants? Then there's a kink, you know. And then oh, you forgot to turn the water on. You got to walk <laughs> all the way back to the spigot. We've all done it so many yeah, times. So before. I'm looking forward to this. So hose the zero G hose. Mm-hmm. Um, Give me just a minute because right now we've got some 25 foot. I think we got 175 foot, but mm-hmm. I believe, and we might have 150 foot left. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people, when it's hot yeah. and dry, people are buying hoses and sprinklers, then, as you know, Veda. Then I will wait so your customers can get those last well, two no, and I then mean, I'll come get it. Yeah, well, you but just, I want them You just to let have me it. know. Okay. okay. Uh, all right. We, let's talk about clay pots versus plastic pots versus. Mm-hmm 
Smart pots. And what's a smart pot? It's a pot made out of fabric. Mm-hmm. Okay, like the, like you can do the flowery ones that you you make uh, dresses and stuff out of. Mm-hmm. You said fabric. It's more like a woven fabric. Shade cloth. Thicker. Okay. Yeah. Of course, clay pots. We all know clay mm-hmm. pots are great. Um, you know, they have they're more porous. Yeah. Than a lot of the ceramics or the the plastic pots. And I hear they hold the moisture and they can pull the moisture out. Well, it allows air and moisture exchange through the pot sides, mm-hmm. right? So since it's not sealed, yeah, you can get air and moisture exchanged through the side mm-hmm. of the pot on the clay pot, allowing uh, the roots um, along the root ball edges better access to oxygen because the clay breathes. Okay. Yeah. So those are some, I mean, that's a a great attribute on why maybe we would grow in a clay pot over a plastic pot. Now, one of the drawbacks is, Veda, as you know, when you water a a plant that's in a clay pot, it dries out a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Okay? So just be aware that you're going to have to do more watering in a clay pot than you would in a um, in a plastic pot. Now it's harder to overwater in yeah, clay. This is true for us that go out there every day uh-huh. and kill plants with tend to love and care, right? So clay pots are you know a win win situation in my opinion. They they look good. Now can they break in the winter time? Yeah. Yes. If you knock one over, a lot of times does it break in half or hundred pieces? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So those are the things you can take out of having a clay pot. Now a plastic pot, they do hold the moisture better because you don't have that oxygen uh, oxygen exchange or it doesn't wick away through the side of the pot. Gotcha. Because yeah. it's plastic, okay? So it's easier to overwater a plant in a plastic pot than it is a clay pot. But it also holds moisture longer. So you can look at that one or two ways. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing, right? Yeah. Which way? Exactly. Well, a lot of times, a lot of people think it's a good thing because people that underwater, the plastic pot is wonderful. For people tend that overwater, then the clay pot would be better. So just keep that in mind. And of course, the plastic pots Mm -hmm. hold up to freezing better than clay pots do. And then there's the concrete pots, that are a category of their own. Yeah. But, you know, concrete pots and clay pots, actually, you, you'll find different prices because there's different different levels of quality in terms of how, sure. yeah, how, they, how hot they fire them or how mm-hmm. much of the oxygen holes or bubbles right. that they take out. Uh, like, you know, you can go get some generic concrete pots that will fall apart much faster because they have more air holes in and they're them. Just, they're just cheap concrete. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, sometimes you got to go that route, too. But then the, the higher up you go, the less chance of breakage you have. Yeah, exactly. And then, Veda, and I love some of I mean, and then some of the concrete pots are stained. They look mm-hmm. great. they got designs on them. I mean, so there's, there's a place for concrete also. But then you got the smart pot. Or the fabric pot. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see a word that says air pruning well, on there. Obviously, I need the smart pot. Yeah, <laughs> that way you can have some air pruning going on. Okay, you might air think, pruning. What the what? All right, smart pots or fabric pots, mm-hmm. typically, and you can buy them in big sizes too. You can okay. get them like four foot wide and six mm-hmm. foot long. Nice. Or you can get them yeah. in a little three gallon, five gallon, mm-hmm. 10 gallon, 15 gallon. You know, you can get them in all these different sizes. But this is a neat thing, guys, especially if you're growing, say, vegetables or annual color, for example, on your back patio, Veda, um, and you want what they call a smart pot. 
Uh, and like I said, it's great for veggies and summer annuals. I love it for those two reasons. Um, it says, best option for root growth due to air pruning, which encourages new roots to sprout into a branch structure. Mm, so if nice. you see the word air pruning, what that means is, let's say if you've got a plant, you've got three plants. You've got one in the clay pot, one in a plastic pot, and one in the smart pot, which is a fabric okay. pot. In a plastic pot, you know when you plant it, the roots can grow to the side of the pot, mm-hmm. and then they start growing down, and then they just start growing in a yeah. circle. They grow okay, everywhere. right. Because there's nothing, there's there's nothing to keep the root from growing that way in a plastic pot. Because it's just going to go circle, circle, yeah, and circle. I'll explain here in a minute. <clears throat> Clay pots, the same thing. I mean, they can grow down. They can grow to the sides. And down and out the bottom, but like I said, you have more air exchange because the clay breathes. So it's not as bad to have a root-bound plant in clay than it is in plastic, okay? In the fabric pot, okay, you've got the same plant, let's say a big... Tomato. Tomato, exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Beta. And the roots start to grow out towards the side of the pot, Mm -hmm. naturally. Yeah. Well, you get a lot of air that comes in through the side of the smart pot, okay, mm-hmm. because it's completely porous. Well, the air burns the tip of the root. Mm-hmm. That's what they mean by air pruning. Oh, gotcha. And when you burn the tip of that root, it stops growing that way. It, it makes the roots branch out. Yeah. So it's going to create they put on more roots. Exactly. Because it's stressed because the yeah, yeah. So it's going to produce a much better root system. So it's root pruning, but in this respect, you're air pruning. Exactly. Which is easier. It's root pruning, like you just said, mm-hmm. using air, which produces a thicker, healthier, better root system. Yeah. Okay. So now, is a fabric pot the most attractive-looking pot? I was just thinking that. No, you're not going to plant your, you know, your house plants in there mm-hmm. and bring it inside. But if you're planting, like I said, whether it's in a, you know, the big containers that you buy or it's the individual pots that you buy, and you're planting vegetables or annuals or something like that in there, it is the best thing ever. Okay, Beta. so basically, I can use it on my patio. And you said there's a three by five. Oh yeah, three by five, three so by six. They your- come in garden exactly. on your patio and then it's like because if you're growing your garden in, in a 10 inch 12 inch pot it's restricted and so you sometimes you can't get your cucumbers or your tomatoes as big as you want to but in this you just created a flower bed okay so the drainage i would probably have to put no it, no, it drains of course well like for if i'm on a patio and then you water it and it drains off the bottom well if you're on a patio four stories up like you yeah, are then, then yeah shouldn't. you're going to get the people wet down below right. you but if you're on, have just a patio <laughs> at ground level who cares yeah. you know right right but i'm because i'm thinking of the patio thing but read about fabric or smart pots and read about the air pruning that goes on with well, it. well that helps do you you know when you maybe you've hurt your back or or it's a time that you can't work out in your yard you just unfold this thing and fill it with dirt and grow. You don't have to dig any holes. You don't have to till your garden. And plus, it's raised a little bit. So well, you can still get your experience if you just can't get in the garden. It's a raised bed. Yeah. It is a raised mm-hmm. bed is what it is, Veda. Now, like I said, you can get it, you know, as small as a little three-gallon or a five, you know, 10, mm-hmm. 15, whatever size you want. But these these smart parts, uh, smart pots, mm-hmm. I should say, not parts, yeah. uh, smart pots are, are really... It makes it easier, so much easier for us to grow plants. Right. I wonder what happened. 
or I haven't read much into it lately, but they were using those pots for growers. Like instead of having the black plastic pots with your, mm-hmm. you know, now the growers were growing trees. So we'll have to talk about that some. And there's so many more topics we can talk about. But we're going to go to a break and we'll be right back. Figure out. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We'd love you to look at our Facebook page. We're Facebook Live. Post some questions on there. That's how we get most of our questions. Yeah, and Audrey did text in. She said, announced Jim's birthday today. So I'm assuming that is Mr. Our one and only Jim, Jim Crowder's Crow. birthday. Happy birthday, yeah. Jim. Yeah, and you know, if you listen to the show, you still hear Jim's name on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Todd Starnes and, and you and I agree that we want to leave it on there because we know he's going through some health issues as we speak, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully Jim's going to get over those just fine. I mean, we're hoping and praying for sure. So, you know, never say never. You know, we might get Jim back in the studio if he starts feeling, let's say, 80%. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 80% is good. But happy birthday, Jim. And that's from all of us up here. So we were talking about the uh, air pruning and the girdling in pots, which I had in my notes, too, that I wanted to talk about the girdling that happens in pots. Oh, you got to explain to me. What do you mean? The girdling. Gir- yeah. Girdling. You know, back in the day when you had to get the girdle. Oh, Lord. But you what about switch. girdling in pots? Okay. So like you were saying, they, it, the roots start growing in circles and circles. So what it's doing is choking the tree out or the plant out. You're exactly right. And even in the ground, like people have planted big trees mm. in those baskets and left mm-hmm. the ties on them mm. and the um, burlap, which burlap's not so bad because it breaks down. But it's the iron and the, the nylon ties that they keep the basket onto the tree, the roots can get caught in that and girdle. You know, have you ever been like on a sidewalk walking around, there's a tree planted there and you'll see one root that has like grown up and crossed over mm-hmm. another root that's girdling. So it starts choking itself out that way. Especially and, in containers. Yes, like you especially. said, and we mentioned just a second ago how you see more girdling going on not, I'm not going to say it can't happen in clay pots and mm-hmm. concrete because it absolutely can. But a lot of, you do see girdling going on in these plastic mm-hmm. pots because when the root system goes out and hits the side of that pot, which is, you know, a lot of nursery stock comes in in mm-hmm. plastic pots, of course, that root doesn't stop growing. Yeah. It just starts going down and around. Well, you, you know? know, we also recommend if you buy a plant that's girdled really badly— well, no, it's not girdled, but at the bottom, it's just got a lot of white roots that are circling mm-hmm. at the very bottom. You're still okay. You can actually cut a lot of that off because you don't want it to keep growing in a circle. You're telling it when you're in, you're inspiring it to start growing roots outward when you cut a little bit of all those rings of roots off. That's like, you know, in case to point uh you know anytime someone buys an azalea for example you know azaleas mm-hmm. have very fibrous root systems and if you've got an azalea that's say in a three gallon size pot right it doesn't take long for that azalea with all those little fibrous roots yeah. to fill up that pot so when you take the azalea out of the pot data you have a mold of a root ball yeah, i mean it's, it's the same shape as the pot <laughs> and everything you know you can even see the little ridges yeah. in it <laughs> That's why on, on, on azaleas in particular, I always say get a knife and kind of slice mm-hmm. the root ball. You know, go in about half an inch at the top and slice it all the way down. Turn it, slice it again, mm-hmm. turn it, slice it again. 
And I'm not saying do that on everything that you plant, but, but I am saying like do it on azaleas. Because it's a full, full roots, all of its roots. And you're doing that to break up that root ball. You're cutting it to because mm-hmm. you want to encourage the roots to grow outward, yeah. not just continue in that spiral mm-hmm. growth that they're having inside these yeah. containers. Because it makes it almost impossible <laughs> to water in the ground anyway when they're, they're uh, spiraling like that. And you remember like forever ago when you could get one gallon azaleas, uh, they were so root bound. I I mean, that is, yes. I would actually, I have laid the azalea on the side, stomped on the black bucket, rolled it, stomped on it. Just to get the azalea out of the pot. Right. And then I've, then like you said, you had to cut them. There was no teasing the roots Uh out with your hand. Uh, root stimulator, plant them, and they still lived. And then we also planted them in almost peat moss. And mm-hmm. see how it's so hard to grow back then. Yeah. But, I mean, plants becoming root-bound or, you know, I mean, it's a real thing, uh, especially depending on how long they stay in the containers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm like you. Now, maybe, you know, if I'm if I'm planting a boxwood, for example— and I take it out of the plastic pot. You know, I'm trying on a lot of things to disturb the root system as little as possible. Uh, right. But now, if it's ever completely pot-bound, I'm like mm-hmm. you. I'm going to get my fingers and kind of pull out the bottom yeah. of those roots, kind of tease those roots out a little bit before I put it in the ground or before I put it in another container. Because, you know, you really don't want uh, the roots to continue to grow mm-hmm. that way. And then you're also going to use our favorite root stimulator. Well, not, I'll tell you what it is too, mm-hmm. Veda. I'm not going to only use it when I plant or transplant, but I'm also going to use it on plants that are completely stressed exactly. like they are right now. Right. That's what made me write this down. There's three products I really love. There's a product called Super Thrive, okay? Love there's it. Root Stimulator, and then there's Liquid Seaweed, okay? Um, oh, Kangaroots too. Well, well, like well, but it's a root roots? stimulator. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's got the microbes and all that stuff mm-hmm. in it. But Super Thrive, starting with that, you know, it is a, a vitamin and hormone and seaweed combo, okay? Comes in a little bottle, but a little bit goes a long way. You're typically only mixing Super Thrive like a quarter of a teaspoon to a gallon of water. So you can put it in your coffee and not really. Yeah, you're not going to put it in That's what we coffee. put in our coffee so we can get up here and Super Thrive for three hours. But as you know, Veda, exactly, <laughs> it's good to use when planting or transplanting, but it's also good to use for plants that are under a lot of stress, whether they've been staying too wet, too dry, whatever. A lot of times, if you can stimulate some good root growth, and the hormones and vitamins will also stimulate a little top growth, but it's mostly to get the plant healthy again. You know, I don't care if it's a hydrangea that hadn't been watered, if yeah. it's limelight hydrangeas that have been too wet, and everything in between. Yeah. Whether you're using something like Super Thrive, Root Stimulator, or the seaweed, any of those stimulants, all you do is mix and pour. And I tell people on a daily basis, Veda, mm-hmm. this time of year, because we're seeing so much stress out there on these plants, is to make a solution and saturate that root ball. But do it, typically they say do it like every two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm saying initially, if they're really under stress, do it once a week yeah. for three or four weeks. Yeah, agreed. But those are really good products. Now, you still want to water as needed, mm-hmm. and hopefully the soil is what it should be, and you planted it the right way. But I'm going to tell you what, guys. I mean, I've seen a lot of plants that were near death mm-hmm. uh, really make it flush back out and become very healthy plants 
by using one of those products or a combination of those products. Well, back in like uh, 1889, Mm. uh, the first time I used a root stimulator was, and it was a garden center, the first one I worked at. And so we decided to experiment with the Super Thrive. Uh, I mean, it looks like snake oil, you know, but it is a great product. It does. So there was a pecan tree in stock and it had been there a while. And so he bought a house to rent, decided, you know, let's take the pecan tree over there Mm -hmm. because it was kind of half and half and planted it in all the good soil. Mm -hmm. And then we soaked it and soaked it with root stimulator Mm -hmm. and everybody Mm -hmm. waited and it flushed out beautiful. But at the gardens, and I'm sure it's because it, it had some more soil and all, but every time the garden center if there's a set of plants that get overly dry or maybe even to the wilt point i will take that super thrive mm-hmm. put it in a watering can and water the plants with the super thrive I can't agree more yeah. and or any plants that have been staying entirely too wet where you're rotting the little feeder roots mm-hmm. down there and what you want to do is try your best to stimulate yeah. some good new root growth sooner than later so Super Thrive, which is a combination of hormones, vitamins, and it smells like vitamins when you open it that does, bottle, by the way. Indeed. And seaweed. You know, they added seaweed to Super Thrive two or three years ago. Which uh, is, makes it perfect. Yeah, so it's a great product. Then the root stimulator, uh, which is a hormone, uh, what, idubutric acid, mm-hmm. idubutric acid, uh, it does the same thing. It just stimulates good root growth. And then, of course, the seaweed, which is natural, we all know what it does. But I'm telling you guys, if you've got plants that have, make your rounds, if there's stress from underwater, overwater, uh, too much sun, not enough sun, whatever, mm-hmm. it's never, ever going to hurt yeah. to put these stimulants around those plants. Exactly. And a lot of times I use a Super Thrive with the Big Bloom to add more nutrients at the same time. Great point, because Super Thrive is not a fertilizer. Mm-hmm. It's a hormone, Okay. And you can use it in conjunction with water-soluble plant foods like Big Bloom or alternate between the two, but it's not considered a fertilizer on its own. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So go get you some Super Thrive and some Big Bloom by Fox Farm. Great product. And I like that product because of the pictures. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a pretty, pretty container. And then, you know, something else you could do, like if you're going on vacation for a while, you can... Take a old T-shirt, mm. cut it into a strip, right. like f- enough to be in the container, and then to come down into a bucket of water. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah, so you can. You water got your with, wick. Yeah, with the capillary. You really action. think that would help? See, I'm actually going to experiment with it well, because why in water gardens. That happens sometimes where there's the the water and there's a crease in the liner. And so then you get water over the sides some with the splashes. It will actually, it can drain a water garden by pulling that water up through that seam. Amazing. It is, it is. And so I really want to try that out. Now, do you have the t-shirt laying on top of the soil soil in the pot or having going down in the soil? I would think going down in the soil. I would think that would help, yeah. Yeah, because that would help pull it pull it out anyway so the tricks of the trade miss betty you gotta let me know how that works out yes i promise i'll try it in a couple of years tomorrow i don't know we'll be right back (laughs) welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. 
You okay. know, they're, you know they're, there's always one point Saturday mornings where Veda's dancing in the chair, and, and that was it. And then I'm like, wait, what comes on first, the camera, or does he tell me to go? <laughs> So if the air is bad, what are you going to do? Plant a tree. Yeah. If it's too hot, plant a tree. Mm-hmm. Our soils are damaged, plant a tree. Absolutely. Too much wind, plant a tree. Mm-hmm. Protect our water, plant a tree. Hold on. Okay, yeah, I get that. Storage yeah. of food, plant a tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like that. Uh, which is true, you know, just plant a tree. It's better than standing in that little line of shade from the telephone pole. Uh, I'm telling that you were talking about. But, I mean, oh. I've got that one tree in my little small pie-shaped front yard that faces dead west. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, it shades the front of my house. And, you know, thank the Lord that I have that tree there, mm-hmm. even though I hate the tree yeah. that's in my front yard, Beta. I know I'm so proud of you for not taking beauty over practicality. Yeah, and I just, at this point, you know, I can't cut this thing down. Mm-mm. I mean, because it, I mean, can you, seriously, can you imagine my house would blow up? Uh-huh. It would bake yes. and crumble today. Your AC would have to be it, twice. Forget it. If I, yeah. I mean, if I didn't have this tree in my front yard right now that shades most of the front of the house during the hottest part of the mm-hmm. afternoon sun. I can't imagine, honestly. I know. We do. The more trees, the better. You know, I know sometimes people are like, I'm so tired of hearing the better the environment, the better. Hey, well, let's think about yourself. Yeah. You know, you know, what a great, to, a great place to play, hang a swing, do a tree house. Oh, I mean, planting a tree today is, you know, help, definitely helping somebody be in the shade, you know, years down the road um, for tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, back in the day, a lot of people would plant a tree because they liked the tree. Whether yeah. it bloomed, they liked the fall color, mm-hmm. they liked all the attributes of a tree that they put in their landscape. People got smart, Veda. They started planting trees strategically in their landscape, right. whether you like it or not. Okay? Because it used to be, where would a tree look the best in my yard? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now is, where is it most practically going to the best bang for the buck? Right. Yeah. You know, because nothing shades a house better than a tree, mm-hmm. honestly. And, you know, with these 100-degree temperatures we're having for the last three weeks, another week ahead of us, another 10 days ahead of us, it makes, I mean, I tell you what, mm-hmm. it's the people that have some shade because of these trees. And I'm talking about healthy trees that people have maintained. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you thin some limbs out, but I mean, you know, there's, there's some maintenance to trees also. That's true. And you should start early on it too. But case to point, had a lady into the garden center. She brought in a sample of a camellia. Okay. And every leaf on this camellia was burned up completely scorched yes i was like what is you know what is going on with these camellias (laughs) she said do well she didn't do anything the neighbor that moved in beside her Mm -hmm. first thing they did was cut down 13 trees on their landscape 13 trees her yard that used to be a lot in the shade is in full blasting sun See, that's something that would just it would be hard, oh, hard to get through. What do you do? I yeah. mean, so, and, then, and it's been that way for years. Mm. And so everything that she's planted, I'm talking about all the hostas, the camellias, the azaleas, everything that no. you can dream of, they are burning up, I'm telling you. Now, like I told her, you know, at this point, all you can do is water, 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 um, you know, maybe use the wilt mm-hmm. stop that we talked about early yeah. on and mulch everything in to hold that moisture in. And hope and pray that they become somewhat acclimated to their new environment. 
Yeah. But until they do, they're going to burn out. She's probably going to lose most of this stuff, yeah, to be honest I think with you. So. so, you know, you're talking about Veda. Yeah, it's great to have trees out there for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And why in the world would somebody wouldn't come in? And they, they have the right to do what they want, whatever they want to do on their property. But she said they cut down 13 trees to where it went from a beautiful oasis right. to a, I think they left one tree in the oh, landscape. Oh, my word. One. That's horrible. I mean, I can see if uh, they were all old and going to fall soon. No, none of that. you know, just nice, healthy trees. They just didn't want trees in their landscape. That's painful. And not only, of course, it affected, you know, them. I Uh mean, because they're the ones cutting the trees down. It's going to affect their their, uh, uh, property. But the people around them are the ones that are suffering because, there again, they had all this stuff planted for high shade or shaded environments. And all of a sudden, they're in blasting sun. And I so, would have been like, just shave your side and, off. And she was almost in tears. She was like, <laughs> I, I, she's I, like I can't understand why. And oh. she said, of course, I know they have the right to do whatever mm-hmm. they want to do on their property. I'm not, you know, that's that's up to them. But she said, I just can't understand why they would do it's it. It's so bizarre. Like when uh, my mother lived in a condo and she planted a beautiful magnolia in the front bed. And it grew and grew just beautiful and tall blocked the windows there was birds squirrels you know so she could watch and all and um as soon as she passed away the uh people that owned the condo they just came and sawed it right down and then and I'm like, that just changed everything yeah. to, to But can you imagine good. cutting 13 of those down? That's just a lot of sun. Yeah. I guess they wanted a green lawn. Well, I can understand I that. I knew you were saying yeah. that. I couldn't look at you when I said green lawn. <laughs> so here's some things you can do. Like, you know, if you're waiting for your tree to grow and you still have a whole lot of uh, sun just bearing through your window, like you were saying, you can take like uh, bird's netting or fishing line or rope and attach it to your house and then pull it down and out Mm -hmm. so you can walk under that rope. And then you can plant... Almost like a lean-to against your house over the window. Yeah, a lean-to. And then you can plant like, all your annual seeds because they're going to grow fast you know think of the morning glories the vines the, yeah like the cypress vine yeah. morning glory moonflower right hyacinth bean so many and you can plant from seed and they grow so fast but it's going to grow all the way up to the roof and you have got a wonderful shade it's going to grow up to the top of your wherever you put the the, the yeah, netting or whatever right. cuz yeah. it really won't grow on the roof cuz it's yeah. got to have something it's got to have something to grow on yeah so that's that's like a quick that, fix. that makes sense babe. i've and never heard pretty. about using an annual vine mm-hmm. to you know almost shade yeah. uh, a lot of the windows especially like you said if you've got trees in the process of growing mm-hmm. and they're just not where they need to be to create the shade yeah. like i just talked about in my front yard you know, I guess mm-hmm. you could do something like that. I did. Um, in front of a big kitchen window, we put up a framed trellis. Mm-hmm. Like there was enough room to walk by the bay window and then the trellis. And you really was don't there. even have to walk up under this thing this at all. This is true. You know? This is true. But you know, you got to make it cute. Well. So, but I had it back a ways. And then I grew 
the porcelain vine mm-hmm. on it, where the porcelain mm-hmm. vine was enough to offer good shade, but I could still slightly see through it, yeah. so it wasn't just blocking me out. The porcelain vine came back every year, yeah. which now brings me to why don't we sell that anymore? Do you see it available? Hey, Is for, it for a few? I mean, for years now. Yeah. Um, but there are. I mean, the beauty of the hardy vines you're talking mm-hmm. about, Veda. Hardy vines come back every year, whether it's a kibia cross vine you know, jasmine's on down the line. Uh, and a lot of them are even evergreen, you know, yeah. so you can do a lot of stuff with hardy vines. Now, the beauty of the annual vines that you were talking mm-hmm. about a while ago, like the morning glories and the moonflowers, uh, the cypress vines, those kind of things is they usually, and they only last one year, yeah. but they bloom their heads That's off, true. you know? And the other benefit is they die mm. down in the winter mm. so that sun can warm. Yeah, if you house. had it in that situation. Yeah. And then there are tropical vines. And the beauty mm-hmm. of a tropical vine, you mentioned alamandas earlier and mandevillas and those type of vines, is there again, they bloom their heads off. So if you're looking for vines that bloom, typically your annual vines that you plant every year are your mm-hmm. tropical vines. If you're looking for vines that want to cover a structure, you know, whether it's a wall or a big, you know, trellis mm-hmm. or whatever, the other two can do it. But I love the hardy vines because they're permanent. Right, right. You know? And there's there's some that we don't ever think about, like the evergreen clematis. Armandia. Uh, and the evergreen, there's another evergreen well, the, stuff. I think it's a clematis, but it's not. Well, the evergreen clematis yeah. or clematis has that long leaf on right. it. Beautiful okay, that's vine. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And then there's the evergreen jasmines. You know, the mm-hmm. Carolina jasmine has the yellow blooms. Yeah. The Confederate jasmine has the white blooms right. on the it. The cross vine, which is orange. Which has, and this is semi-evergreen plant. And then the akebia. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. five-leaf or three-leaf akebia. That's another wonderful-looking, fast-growing, semi-shade yeah. Uh, vine. So right. there's a vine for every occasion out and there. And then that the newer wisteria, I guess it's the Amethyst Falls, it it's is. not as invasive. Near as invasive. It's an American mm-hmm. wisteria that's not nearly invasive as the you know the Chinese mm-hmm. varieties that we that yes. we would grow years ago. And it's in your tree now. Oh, it's in the house, the roof, and everywhere <laughs> else, baby. It took over everything. <laughs> right. So I'd have to do one of those because that's just how, you know, Europe with all the big long arbors and then they've got the wisteria growing over it and even the trunks are picturesque and pretty. Yeah, and then some of the vines are self-adhesive. You know, they'll stick mm-hmm. to a wall like a Boston ivy or an English ivy yeah. or a climbing hydrangea. To right. me to some you know, to some extent that's almost like a, a vine. Uh, so if you want something that's self-adhesive sticks to it you know, you've got those also, right. where most of your vines need something to grow on, some mm-hmm. kind of support to yeah. grow on. So, Well, you know, you're like, um, well, great, it's already summer and I don't want to do it. They, the seeds just grow so fast. And, you know, I'm still going to do planting and things like that, but I'm not going to plant a whole bunch. I'm just going to do a few here because that's easier to keep up with. All right, to a break. And... Um, We have got a few minutes left, so if you want to put some questions on the Facebook Live, we'll address them, and we'll be right back. Mm -hmm. Good morning, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you can join us today. So, let's see. we got about 10 more minutes. If you want to give us a call, 260-5926. Of course, you can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. Veda lace bug damage on azaleas. And I think really the hotter and the drier the summer we have, mm-hmm. the more lace bug damage we see. We're already starting to see some. And I think it's going to get nothing but worse, honestly, because mm-hmm. as you know, Veda, lace bug can get on any azalea, okay? Yeah. Any of them. 
but they really gravitate to ones that are weak or anemic for some reason, or the ones that get a little too much sun. Right, right. I mean, your plant can look white by the time they get finished with it. And what it is, it's just a little winged insect uh, that gets on the underside of the leaf of the azalea, and it starts sucking all the green chlorophyll out of that leaf. And you walk out there one day, and your, your azaleas have gone from green to just grayish white. Honestly. Yeah. Because there's no chlorophyll left in the in the foliage, and it makes them look horrible. And it's not good for them. We need the chlorophyll in there to collect the sunlight to make sugars for the plant, right? So if you've got and are having a lace bug problem, uh, I still like to use a systemic insecticide beta mm-hmm. because uh, it's impractical to think that I can spray under every leaf of my azalea because that's where yeah. they are. They're going to be on the underside of the leaf. Mm-hmm. They're not on the top part. They're on the underside. And if I use a systemic insecticide, whether it's a drench that you pour or whether it's one that you spray, I don't really have to worry about spraying under the leaves to get to the lace bug. So Yeah. And again, like so people have known forever that I'm kind of, I'm more on the natural side than on the chemical side. Not, but it's practicality as well. Yeah. And using the systemic around the base. Mm-hmm. That's the drench that right, you can just mix drench. and pour. Yeah. It's so much more efficient, so you're not throwing it all over the environment, so well, to speak. It's being utilized right there. Yeah, and I always tell people, all right, I'm, you know, and then I think ahead, all right, why do we have lace bugs so bad on yeah, these azaleas? exactly. And like I said, some things you can fix. You know, a lot of times it's not being watered properly. Uh, it needs to be fed mm-hmm. at some point because it's weak and anemic, okay? Yeah. And then sometimes, like I said, they're just planting these azaleas, not the encores or the, you know, the, the bloomathons, but the old-fashioned azaleas that want to be in more shade. They're putting these things out there in full sun. Now, you can't do anything for that right. other than move it, okay? Yeah, because you can or do all the natural stuff you can do, you know, because I'm saying amend the soil, here the plant, heal the plant naturally, on and on. Wrong environment, no matter <laughs> It, it makes it tough to grow plants, Veda, well, if it's not in the right place to start with. It was like in this, this one house where there was all azaleas along the front, and then you kind of get to the side, and there were mm. some shade trees on the neighbor's yard, but not in the right place to shade the azalea. So the one azalea on the corner of the house was just eat up. And uh, as of course, everyone's question is... I don't understand. They're all in a straight row. Yeah, why is that one? Yeah, why is it up? just that one? Well, that one's out there in full sun. Yeah, so that's how. Or how about there's this the heliotrope, the one that smells so pretty, mm-hmm. that annual. It doesn't grow here. Mm-hmm. It gets too hot in the ground. However, mm-hmm. one of my clients had them growing beautifully in a spot I never would have told her to plant yeah, it Yeah, never in. say never. You so, know that. I know. It's like she's probably the only yard in the Mid-South or, or very, you know, small. And she wasn't a gardener on top of it. And maybe that's it. Maybe we just love the plant to death. <laughs> Too much attention. Yeah. And then, of course, another thing to be on the lookout for other than, you know, it seems like the Japanese beetles are starting to wane off mm-hmm. a little bit. They're still out there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the bagworms have been really bad, mm-hmm. and they're starting to not be quite as bad. Uh, but be on the lookout for bagworms, especially on your arbovitas, guys. Go out there and take a look at them if you've got them, and especially if mm-hmm. they're turning brown. You better go check for some some bagworms. And well, then, I gotta I gotta say, uh, my boss's house. So you gotta make sure you get this right. Yeah. He's got uh, he had a lot of green giants growing. Talking about arbovitas. Yeah, and they were 
there are in almost too much shade almost but, yeah, but, but they're they're just lose their leaves on the inside yeah, basically but they're, and still, they're still beautiful yeah, yeah. but last year he was like mm, something's happening so mm-hmm. we went out and i saw the bagworms so then of course the first thing i'm going to say is plant stress and a little bit extra shade but that really shouldn't do it so check the soil check the base there was a lot of mulch and soil built up to the trunk, yeah. which allows that canker and all that to start happening. So, and the irrigation was a little high. Mm-hmm. Just that the irrigation pulled everything off of the trunk and um, pulled added, the mulch back yeah, away from the, the trunk, mulch, right? Yeah. So we could expose the flare yeah. at the bottom. Then we added um, what did we put? Some good tree tone, mm-hmm. yeah, tree tone or and holly compost. Tone. Yeah, holly tone would have been good too compost and then we use the systemic and this year bam fan so you didn't go out there and just fix the problem as Mm -hmm. far as the bagworms go right i mean that's you know yeah we know we can go out there and spray or use a drench to kill bagworms Mm -hmm. okay but why are the bagworms on there to start with like you're saying usually it's a weaker plant for some reason Mm -hmm. so you need to try to figure out what else is the problem right uh, walking by the crepe myrtle, you know, the same old crepe myrtle that I had Japanese beetles on. I told you they, every bloom. I think about that constantly. Every bloom off the crepe myrtles. Uh-huh. Don't have a bloom one. Okay, but I'll have them next year. Yeah. I get that. Well, last year I had scale, and year before, a mm-hmm. little bit of scale, the white scale, the crepe myrtle bark scale on the crepe myrtles. Well, I've corrected that. Don't have a scale one. Mm-hmm. Still have a little bit of sooty mold, the black sooty yeah. mold on there, but most of it's gone. Well, now I've got ants running up and down the trunk of the tree. And I'm thinking, okay, these ants are here for a reason. Yeah. They're not just running up and down the trunk of these right. trees because they want to exercise. <laughs> They're looking for honeydew. So evidently, yeah. I've got aphids. Right. Okay. There you go. Okay. Uh, so, and sure enough, I found some aphids, uh-huh. you know, on the leaves of my crepe myrtle. Now, these crepe myrtles are... They're not getting really watered the way they should, Beta. Mm-hmm. And this is probably kind of part of the problem they're probably just a little weak for those yeah. reasons you know yeah. um so of course i'm gonna spray to control the uh, aphids and i know that the ants since the aphids give off that sticky secretion called honeydew mm-hmm. and that's why the ants are there i get rid of the aphids i'll get rid of the ants and i think i'm gonna start paying a little more attention to the watering of these crepe myrtles it's not that i have completely abused them i just know how tough they are yeah but you know, is that I don't want the things just to survive. I want them to, to thrive. thrive. That is so true. You know, yeah. I, people bring stuff in and they're going, "Oh, and this looks good, and I like this." And I'm going, "Well, it's surviving, surviving." But would you like it to thrive? Right. And that's where all the extra fertilizers and things. You know, uh, one thing that would be is hard for us to deal with, and that's the spiders. Unlike the little one I had running around on my mic. This you know, morning, first fine. thing. But, you know, the wolf spider, which is kind of ugly, and people sometimes think it's the fiddle, not fiddly figer. Fiddly figer. Mm-hmm. What spider? What's the, the? The recluse. Recluse, yeah. That's got that the has fiddle the little on, fiddle on its it. back. Got right. the fiddle on its back. That's the recluse that we're nervous about. But then the wolf spider. I mean, if you see him running across the kitchen floor, you because everybody's going to kill the thing. Yeah, they're okay? going to think, ah, but y'all... It um it kills black widows, other oh. spiders, cockroaches, crickets, beetles, and silverfish. So just look at it as when it's running across your floor that it's running to get some of those other bugs that you don't like. They don't agree, and snakes are the same way. Mm-hmm. But people are so, and I don't, I mean, I, I guess it's just, I don't know why. 
you know, if somebody sees a spider, the first thing we want to do is kill it. Yeah. Okay, now, yeah, we don't right. want black widows and we don't want brown recluse. Those two we do not want around, but you usually don't ever see those, okay? Yeah, you really Most don't. of the spiders you see are just as benign as the day is long. Because they're recluse. The same thing with, <laughs> exactly, the same thing with snakes. I mean, most snakes are not a problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But we want to kill the first snake we ever see yeah. from for the rest of our lives. And we want to do the same thing to spiders. Oh, y'all, it's time to go. Hey, y'all got to look up this snake. It's G-A-B-O-O-N, Viper. That's it's, not a good snake. It's not here, but wow, you got to look at it. It's creepy. And very poisonous. So give you some nightmares. See you in the garden next Saturday.